Striking While the Iron's Hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. With me to my right is Adri. Adri, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Chris. Thank you for asking. And also joining us is Alicia. Alicia, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great as well, thank you. I'm very excited that it's our last preseason episode and season's about to start. That's right. We're finally about to jump into the real action. Uh, what? How has the last three weeks of recording been like for you two? I mean, I mean it's been pretty, pretty good about it going in and out through the whole closed door friendlies, which are kind of hard because of the updates that we get. They're not very detailed. We don't really get much input except on who's scoring the goals and what the final score is. Yeah, I agree. It's a little frustrating not being able to see, not being able to watch and see the lineup and see the the place, especially because the boys are winning. So we want to see who scores and, uh, you know, the very important place. But um, very excited of what they have accomplished to this date. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking about along the lines of just the preseason primer. We've sat here each week and we've basically uh, talked about what happened in 2019, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was, when I was driving here tonight, I was thinking, I wonder in what ways. Uh, have you primed yourself as far as this podcast is concerned you know in the three weeks of us doing this you know because last year we didn't have primer we just kind of jumped in to a season that was already happening but now that we have this preseason primer um, has this kind of changed maybe the things you're looking at or the way you're watching games Um, you know what what have what have these episodes done for you Oh, these episodes have done a lot for me. Looking at games now, I looked more at the very like technical stuff to see what the manager is doing, what he did before, uh, what formations that, uh, that he's picking, and not just with New Mexico United, but as well as other teams that I watch, especially international teams. That's what I like to watch the most, to see very different talents come in from different clubs just join, joining in all together. And to me, it has been a great experience because it taught me um, a lot about each club. It taught me a lot about each player, not just in the field, but uh, personally, um, meeting them personally and also doing some research about who they are and their careers and their stats. So it's been very helpful for me to being able to experience um, firsthand on on the pitch, but also doing the research behind the scenes. Now, what are you guys most excited about um, going into the season from a fan perspective? Oh, from a fan perspective, I'm very excited to see the new signings, especially with Sammy Sergi. Uh, Sergi, the way that he's been playing in this preseason, it's been phenomenal, and I'm very excited to see him possibly starting 11. I'm also excited about to see the new signings, and uh, from what we've seen in the preseason, I mean, they are really focusing they are really fighting for a spot so it's going to be very interesting on how he's 
going to do the rotation. Who's going to start? Uh, it's going to be about earning a spot, like I said before. So I'm very excited to see from the fan perspective what they have and uh, the lineup more than anything. Yeah, I think for me, like I'm looking forward to some of the road trips, uh, just getting out of town and really just kind of letting loose a little bit. And I guess that's within parameters. Um, obviously, going to away matches, uh, you're kind of on your own timetable. Last year, I wasn't able to really make a lot of the uh, tailgating caravans and whatnot. A lot of it was leaving at my own time and kind of getting in the town just before the matches started. So this year, really looking forward to um, coordinating my trips more with, uh, with the curse and ultimately being able to partake and some of the pre-tailgating festivities before going into the games but hoping to not get like too bogged down with uh, with the, the tasty brew from star brothers though <laughs> um, so is there anything else that's kind of going on with you guys i mean like you know here we are it's tuesday i mean what you guys do over the weekend Oh man, I'm actually very excited because my family and I are all booked for the Colorado Springs game, so we'll be making it to that. And uh, like you said, Chris, I'm very excited to be traveling more this season to more away games. As for me, the weekends are always busy. Um, if it's not work, it's mommy duties, but it's also, um, I'm also involved in sports, so running the team, the women's team, like you all know, uh, keeps me busy with uh, signing up our players for the local um, ASL league, so that's keeping me busy as far as um, sports, and also, of course, watching every game I possibly can. I made pancakes, just gonna put it out there. I made pancakes over the weekend, and I loved them so much that I ate them like two nights in a row. Because I mean, you can't you can't just make four pancakes. Uh, you make like sixteen. So I had like eight pancakes, and then I had like another eight. So then I ate those afterwards, uh, or like the next day. I mean, I didn't eat, them. I didn't eat sixteen all at once. But, uh, but then I made bacon too. Let me just tell you about my bacon experience, okay? because I'm pretty sure you don't know about it. Um, so for the longest time, I have been baking my bacon. Like oven roast, you know? Oh yeah, I actually tried it like that this weekend too and it was actually surprisingly good. <laughs> See, I didn't like, I guess I don't, I'm, I'm on a different ship. So when I bake it, you know, it says 13 to 15 minutes and I never can seem to get on that Crispy enough? threshold. So I'm like, at 15 minutes and then like my whole kitchen is like black it looks you know <laughs> so like as a result when i leave my house my hoodie smells like bacon right so so i was like all right i am going to i i need to learn this other way and i didn't have a choice but i bought bacon that only had one set of instructions and that was the pan fry never pan fried bacon in my life okay <laughs> i'm the opposite really yes so i have to I, fry it so I have never pan fried bacon in my life. And so I sat there, uh, I was wearing shorts, probably a bad idea because, you know, got that grease just hitting me like all over the place. But uh, so I basically pan fried bacon for the first time and uh, it came out good. Like it was so good that I ate the bacon that same day. Didn't have any <laughs> leftover. So I had to go back to the store and buy some more. But the whole point is like, 
you know, I'm so by instructions. I am so used to that. Mm-hmm. So to be able to go, so, so I would have never pan fried the other bacon, even though you could. Yeah. You know how our mama showed us how to how to make food, right? A little bit of this and a little bit of that. Oh really? Oh yes. My mom didn't show me There's how to make food. There's not such a thing, such it's, thing as looking at a recipe. Yeah, no, you just get your little uh, handful and just throw it in there until yep. you feel if it the tastes good, right. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's like my mom just makes the bacon and I just eat it. So, <laughs> I mean, like, so it was, you know, it was cool. So now I'm, I'm on this thing. And, but I guess the first time I messed up because, you know, I uh, I poured the grease down the sink. and uh, Yeah, you don't do that. Yeah, and I was, <laughs> and everyone's like. You're going to learn the hard way. And everyone's like, oh, well, what about making greens or putting the bacon grease in your eggs? And I'm like, what? Like. So, this next time when I made bacon, I made sure to, you know, let the grease cool and I poured some in a little container. And I still haven't done anything with it. It's kind of weird, but, you know, I'm just going to do anything but eat the, the grease. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I hope not. Yeah, no, I probably would try to, like, you know, throw it in something else. But, uh, yeah, so that's what I did, you know. And uh, what else? Uh, yeah, no. So then going into this week's i was i thought we could kind of talk a little bit about soccer because we are talking about soccer right but um but i was thinking about the fact that there's so much soccer starting on right now right um so we have i I was looking it up on the internet and i was seeing that i know the mls is starting here soon Mm -hmm. are you guys excited about the mls starting i mean not really i mls isn't really my cup of tea i do have a favorite mls team who is it uh, LA Galaxy 2, and, but I mean... LA Galaxy 2? I mean, LA Galaxy, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, but no, I'm not really into MLS. No? Mm-mm. I watched some of the games, and um, what caught my attention this week was um, they threw out there the signings from MX to MLS and the MLS to MX, and I saw some interesting names. A couple of them will be Rodolfo Pizarro with uh, Inter Miami. That one is a really good name. I think he's going to do great at that club. I was surprised. <laughs> because his name because, good no, because what? I know his skills. Okay. He played for the uh, for the national team, and so I'm really curious to see this team with Rodolfo Pizarro. I don't know why he went to Miami, but I'm curious to, to follow this team just because of Rodolfo Pizarro. I'm a fan. I mean, so, he's a solid player, but I don't see him going to any Europe clubs at no. all. No. He's yeah. really fast. He's re- he's really fast. So we'll see what he's got here in the MLS. So. And that's that's Inter Inter Miami, right? Inter, so is yeah. That the, is that the David team? Beckham team where Gerald uh, Key Sweater went. Oh. That's going to be very interesting to see as well. That could be interesting, actually, just from the the fact of it. It's an expansion team. Uh-huh. I mean, it's fronted by Beckham. So like, is I haven't really looked at like the club's like social media at all or anything i mean that's something i'm trying to do mm-hmm. more this year is like what kind of persona do they give off sort of lifestyle you know i know that there was something in the media about inter milan trying to like um, tell them to not use the inter miami because they're saying that anytime anyone thought inter milan they were going to get confused or something <laughs> with miami so you know what I mean? Like they were, they were, they're really trying to work that angle right now. Um, 
But I got to thinking, like, all these clubs are based on other clubs. I mean, United, there's yeah. a million Uniteds. I mean, not a million, but, you know. Or F- yeah, FCs. FCs. And SCs, and uh, it's just too much. Just get rid of the FC and the SC. Yeah, Because, I mean, you know, and then with in- Inter Miami, I, there's a lot of drama going on behind that. Like, um, it, it really connects more to PSG, Paris Saint-Germain. And I don't know if you guys know, but Neymar is on that team. And he's like, well, if uh, PSG doesn't want me anymore, I know Inter Miami has me. They have my name under contract and this and that. But I'm like, dude, just stop. I don't don't like him. So yeah, he's not good. A fan of Neymar's good on the pitch Neymar. and he's good on the mic too, apparently. <laughs> I know. Well, he punched a fan and he was suspended for a couple games. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It got real. Yeah, and then Mbappe, he's having problems too with PSG front office and Liverpool. No, Liverpool wants him, but he's going towards Real Madrid. So I don't know when that's going to happen. Damn. Yes, yeah, speaking of like just more international, so. So La Liga, Liga, Liga ML, ML, or yeah, sorry, Liga MX, uh, Feminal, right? Uh, Liga Feminal. Oh, La Liga Feminal, yeah. There you go. Uh, Premier League, League, League One, and Serie A is all like already underway. Like mm-hmm. all those seasons start in August and end in May. So yeah. like, so that's crazy. Because uh, I was thinking like, man, I wanted to try to get. A team in those leagues just so I have some interest to watch. And then Champions League too. Right. <laughs> They're on round of 16 I believe and that's just going by quick. I'm like how am I going to find the team in Liga MX at this point? I mean <laughs> you just choose like how, how did you guys choose Just your choose teams? America. How did you choose? How did you guys choose those teams? Like, how do you go? How do you follow those? I I don't really know because I did have a team, but then that was like you know how you're a little kid and you pick the best team. And right. Yeah. So I was like that, but now you still do that. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Am I picking Phoenix or what? Uh, well, no. no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I don't really have a Liga MX team right now. I've been following mostly with uh, FC Juarez. They're, they're doing pretty well okay. around this time around. Before, they weren't really doing that well, but they're looking way better than they did these past Didn't they come uh, come up from the second division? Yeah, from they the... They came up to the to the premiere. Yeah. Okay. So they're doing really well. Um, I do have uh, Club America as first place. And to my surprise, Monterrey, which is who won the cup on the previous season, is now last on the on the table. Oh. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see so if they, they come do, up. So they do relegation, right? Promotion relegation? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. And they also play uh, different cups all around. Monterrey just played against Liverpool in the World Cup Club Cup. And um, they did really well. It was honestly for Monterrey to win that game against Liverpool. Yeah. That's how impressed I was by them. I was just reading like uh, so Veracruz. Veracruz is in what in what? Uh, uh, I can look that up for you. Is that is that uh, is Veracruz in League One or? No, they're, they're the Premier. Le- yeah, they're Liga MX. They are right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was reading up on them. So apparently, like they got disaffiliated because they're having some financial issues, and so mm-hmm. along those lines, because they're being disaffiliated, they there was not going to be a team that was going to be uh, relegated because of the fact that they're in a position where they're just not, they're not with the league. So they essentially like just kind of 
paused taking anyone down mm -hmm. uh, this year until next time. Yeah, no, I haven't really heard too much on that, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, like, I'm... You know, I, I was trying to think, like, how could I fill my gills with soccer? How could I, like, have a team in every league? And I was like, well, I'm going to ask them how they pick a team. Just pick one. Bam. Just pick one. Look yeah, just pick one. And I was like, I'll pick FC Juarez. And I was like, oh, but El Paso loves them, you know? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's Actually, just aren't bad they um, yeah. from the same owner? Yeah, the owner of FC Juarez and the owner of Locomotive, they're married. Oh, okay. Yes. So don't pick Juarez. No, pick whoever you want, really. That's just like your pick, neighbor, I'm going to pick Tigres because they no, like... No, don't do that. Because their goalkeeper likes to trip dudes. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> likes to beat up uh, the, the other forwards. You can't go, you can't go wrong, for sure. Uh, all right, so the season's about to, re about to start up. I mean, we're not too far away. I mean, March 7th is the first game um, against Austin um, I'm pretty excited uh, what are you guys kind of feeling sitting here not even like a week out or so to say I guess it's a little bit about 11 days right yeah I'm getting about. ahead of myself I'm, I'm excited but I mean what are you guys thinking now that we're so close to the start of the season I mean the next time we do a podcast we're going to be previewing Austin that's crazy to me. It's just coming by so fast already. I can't believe we're already playing Austin, I believe, next weekend. It's just crazy to me. It is. I'm very excited. Uh, it did come very quickly. It seemed like a long time, and next thing we know, it's here. So USL1 will kick off on the 29th of March. So they kick off a little bit later because there's not as many games. Mm -hmm. uh, so... I mean, I, I know I, I also like to watch forward Madison a little bit. And this year I'll probably tune my eyes a little bit to FC Tucson as well. But what uh, are you guys interested in, in like watching like a lower league team since we don't have any affiliates? Well, I mean, don't we have that USL 2 or New Mexico United? Yeah, we got that New Mexico yeah. U23, but that's yeah. League 2. Yeah, I don't. I haven't heard anything about that. I think that would be kind of be interesting to watch to see what players can have the potential to step up to New Mexico United. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you for sure. I mean, that's supposed to kick up in May. In May. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, we haven't really heard much on the roster yet. I am certainly interested. Um, actually, uh, one of our newer riders, Josh Kaskinen, who's out in Santa Fe. He's actually working on a piece right now, which should be very interesting for us all. Um, he kind of delves into uh, who he thinks might be on that uh, that squad. So uh, that'll be coming out soon. I don't want to say too much, but I do want to tease it a little bit. Um, so he, he has a pretty good idea for sure. And it's just about seeing what will come to fruition. But all that to say that there's just so much soccer that's kicking off. I mean, coming this spring, you're looking at, again, the the U23 team. The season is from May 3rd to July 17th. So that's basically like summer ball. You know, it's still considered amateur class, so uh, they're able to play while they're in college, if you will. Um, NWSL starts up in May as well. Um, I might kind of be watching a little bit of the uh, Seattle Rain. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Liz, who was working in marketing last year, she's up there as the marketing director. Oh. So um, so I was going to probably watch a little bit of that, kind of maybe do some writing, I don't know. Oh, that's pretty 
pretty interesting to see that she did go up farther uh, than the USL team. Yeah, that is cool, right? Because yeah. I mean, that's that's the second tier, or that's the number one tier of mm-hmm. women's soccer. Yeah, that's like the equivalent to the MLS. And then it's just the national teams. Right. Right. Well, and to be in a place where you got Megan Rapino and Ali Long. Oh man, that's amazing. Oh, and there's also women's EPL too. I don't know if anybody knew that. Oh, out that's there. right. Yep. yep, you're right. You're right. I was looking at that today. Cardiff City Women. Um, you know, because apparently they're doing pretty well. Yes. Uh, then there's also WPSL, so uh, Women's Premier Premier Soccer League. Um, so last year we had Albuquerque FC. Uh, that was in that league this year. It doesn't look like uh, FC is playing. I mean, there's there was some rumor that that the, the funding didn't come through for them. But what's crazy is on the map for uh, WPSL, they still show uh, they still show a team in New Mexico. Yeah. So I was kind of thinking like because there wasn't a New Mexico team in the divisions, you know. I was like, man, I want to start a rumor. And the reason why I say that is because, uh, so Tampa Bay Rowdies, okay. I don't know if you guys had followed, but earlier uh, this year, they had announced that they were going to have a U23 team. And then Ron Patel had gone on Twitter and he was like, that's a really good idea. I anticipate more clubs will do something like that in the future. And then all of a sudden, the next day, we had the New Mexico United U23 team. And so I thought, well, I was looking the other day on the internet and I saw the Tampa Bay Rowdies again out there, this time with the women's WPSL team, okay? And I thought, well, I know that the USL wants to do women's, but it's not necessarily coming right away. And the WPSL is the second tier to women's soccer in American soccer as far as women's concerned. Mm-hmm. So. I kind of think that it it wouldn't be far off to assume that at some point there would be a New Mexico U23-ish women's team in the WPSL. And, and that's kind of like where I say like I would love to start that rumor because obviously like we enjoyed watching Albuquerque FC last year. And I just think that with them having women in the program, I don't know if they're at the place maybe to launch two teams of that caliber this year. However, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens, um, but we would have to hear something soon. I mean, that season is the same length as the uh, USL 2. My guess is if not this year, that by next year there has to be um, this team because they're obviously going to want to incorporate some of the women from the high performance program as a bridge as well yeah well uh, it's a really touchy subject to get a, a women's team here in the wpsl because in all honesty how much do you watch women's soccer compared to men's soccer i have to say right now i'm like all over women's soccer mm-hmm. so I'm, i might be more than the average guy if mm-hmm. you will but um i've been watching like quite a bit of it to be honest um and the women of Albuquerque FC, those ladies, like, I mean, it wasn't, it was, like, rough. I mean, like, just, and I was sitting very close to the matches. I mean, I was, it was, like, skin on skin. It was, like, mm-hmm. it was, like, boot on arm. I mean, like, those ladies definitely play hard. So, and, and, I mean, all the soccer that I've watched lately has been just the same. Just the same. Well, to me, I feel like it would be great. 
don't get me wrong, it'd be great to have an expansion team for the women's and help them get uh, more in into uh, NWSL because not a lot of them are lucky like Brianna Martinez making the national the U20 national team. And I just don't think we should. It A lot of people probably are not going to get to the matches. I didn't even know about Albuquerque FC and trying to make time for New Mexico United and Albuquerque FC on top of other things, it's kind of difficult. So I just think we should just stay where we're at and not make a women's team. That's a good That's a good perspective. Uh, Adrian, what do you think about the idea of adding a, a women's team? I mean, it seems inevitable, but I mean, like, what do you think about it as far as it in, the, in this season or next season? Um, yes, I do agree that women's soccer are not as popular um, as the men's, but I am involved in a women's team, which is local, and I've seen a lot of great players out there, and I think that I will, that will get women motivated to continue to grow in the sport and maybe eventually grow it. It's not going to be like the men's. But, you know, maybe eventually if we get our own stadium, that'll make room to bring other matches in between, and that'll be the, the women. Uh, is it going to happen? I'm not sure. It can be a long shot. Are they, is it going to be successful? It might take time. But I'm pretty sure a lot of women will get involved, will go for it, will get motivated. Um, like I said, I've seen a lot of teams. I've seen a lot of potential. It might. It might work. It might not. I mean, it's it's gonna it's one of those things that we would love to see. But yeah, is it gonna work? Probably not as fast, or not as as it's not gonna be as big. One of the interesting things about about it right now is that so I looked at a couple of the different the last uh, NWSL drafts. Um, I just didn't obviously get a chance to check it out while it was happening, but. The interesting thing about it is that only 36 players uh, got selected from the from the draft. So basically, it's like each round is nine players. So in the total draft eligibility, there's 250 uh, players that are on this draft. Now they only take 36. So that means that there is some 214 women that don't uh, get drafted. I was gonna say. Um, every year. Okay, so that's a lot of athletes. So to me, if you look at, uh, you know, local standout Jen Munoz, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, she was in the draft uh, two years ago, and she didn't get drafted. So then she eventually got a deal with Club Americon, right? Mm -hmm. So... Feminine. Right. And so then, you know, this year there were four women from New Mexico in the draft. Uh, one was Jesse Hicks. And, and they weren't drafted. I mean, again, you have to be in that top 36 or what is perceived to be the top 36 picks. Otherwise, it's just where you're going to end up. You may end up maybe playing you know, international. Maybe you go play WPSL and then you try to you know, find your way in. I think that they're definitely going to have to figure out um, how to bring WPSL into the the pro circuit in some way in order because they have the framework with the WPSL to there's so many teams there's like 131 teams there's so much going on there it feels like the WPSL on some level has to merge 
with WSL or the USL has to um, ultimately bring in some more uh, teams. The, the USL will have to ultimately either create a women's division as they've been talking about um, and then the other thing that will have to happen is either the WPSL then either unifies with the USL which at some point before the USL lost its W League um, the WPSL teams were actually in the W League um, as well as the UWS teams so if the USL is to create a division again and they're able to pull in some of the WPSL teams that you know that maybe were original partners or maybe they just kind of sample it they could probably create a a secondary uh, pro market it's just a matter of will it also be a first tier or will it be second tier no one knows yet um, but I know that you at you uh, USL is definitely trying to make some strides um, with who they brought in to kind of work on that as well. It reminds me a little bit, Chris, of um, last year when we covered the Lobo Women's, and the turnout wasn't too, too bad. So, you know, like I said, it might might not work. Um, we start, It started kind of low in the attendance, but then it picked up. So that can be something positive. The turnout for the yeah the, the turnout for the women Lobos games were about 250 300 people at times uh, when there was something to play for um, the Albuquerque FC matches seemed like there were about 200 250 I mean you know it, you know it wasn't a lot of people but I really do think that this year's attendance at the U23 will tell me something about if it's really a brand identity that brings people out because there were only about 100 people at the Seoul matches and those were like the people that were really actually watching these matches. Um, so if all of a sudden you see at least 10% of New Mexico United's crowd, so say 1,000 people there or 1,400, then I'm going to say it's, it's a brand thing. You know, it's a brand thing. So then... You know, if that's the case, then I think that women's could do well. Uh, it's going to de- really depend on on who's who's on the squad. Look at this year's Lobos coming up into the the fall year this year. There's going to be nine seniors on the team. Uh, I'm pretty sure at least seven of those seniors are probably going to declare for a draft. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get drafted. You know, but it won't be long before. New Mexico ultimately gets like its women pro players, you know, that actually were from here, whether they were Lobos or went somewhere like to Notre Dame, like Brianna Martinez. I mean, I think she's got a very good shot at probably being drafted when she comes out of college based on her, you know, visibility with the national team, being a two time starter already as a sophomore starting on Notre Dame. So, she might be the next pro for yeah. New Mexico, the first one. Definitely. And you can see it, too, if you've ever seen her play. I I think I was lucky enough to play against her in high school. She was Volcano Vista, and I was Rio Grande. And, man, that girl, she's, she's going to go somewhere, and it's going to be big. So while we're talking about women's soccer, I, I was just going to share with you, too, that I have been following the, uh, the CONCACAF U-20 uh, tournament, um, and I watched – the first day where it was U.S. versus Cuba, and I mean, the U.S. killed Cuba. It was 9-0, 
Uh, Mia Fischel had four goals. I mean, it it was crazy. And one of the things that I thought was like, was like, man, like the U.S. women's soccer team, U twenty, they were just they their play was crazy because they were really dangerous up top on the left and right. I mean, between Alexa Spanstra and then uh, and Dennis Rodman's daughter uh, Trinity Rodman, and uh, they were just they're dangerous on both sides, but. I mean, they they did so well in that match that I wondered how it would be when they played Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic played the next or played the next match because Honduras they killed them like it was seven zero, you know. So then yesterday's match, U.S. played against Dominican Republic and it was four zero, and that seems about right because both teams were obviously powerhouses. Um, but I've been I've been watching Concacaf women U twenty. My main interest would be because, you know, local Brianna Martinez is playing and also head coach Heather Dyke is the assistant coach on that squad. So, um, I don't know, it's just kind of something I've been watching lately um, in this tournament. I want to see that our team is able to become a World Cup qualifier, you know, and obviously the minute that, you know, Brianna Martinez gets to score a goal, it's going to be just, I think everyone's going to go crazy about that. So. Yeah. I mean, she's a defender, so it's less likely a shot that, you know, defender is going to be, you know, banking in shots, but you never know. Yeah, you never know. And do you feel, talking about Brianna Martinez, that she'll make it to the national team, playing with uh, Christian Press, Rapino, and Ertz? I think, she'll, I think she'll keep climbing up the chain. Um, my understanding in talking to, uh, I was talking to uh, the mother of another player from Albuquerque FC, uh, Sherry Kaiser, she was saying that uh, the college teams require that their players play in the summertime to keep that sort of match fitness. Mm -hmm. So if there's not an Albuquerque FC this year, I wonder where she'll play Mm -hmm. or if that will kind of suffice as her playing time. Mm -hmm. But what it will look like, I would think that she would continue up the ladder of playing for the national team. Mm-hmm. And at one point, she could be on that squad and make yeah. it all just fall in together. Yeah. You no, know, I can see it, too. I can see her being one of one of the faces on that squad here in the later years. All right, so joining us now, we've got our, our special guest, our first guest of 2020. And I, I, feel, I feel privileged a little bit. You know, <laughs> he's almost got, like, his own theme music walking into this place. We've got one half of Curse Cast. We got one half of United Weekly. We got Mr. David Carl in the house. How you doing, David? I'm good. I had to like come through like a secret trap door to get in here. You guys like you guys party on Tuesdays. <laughs> yeah, man. We, we always, we, did you what you say the password was? Did you, did you uh, I didn't say the password, but they told me like I, so I, I go up to the bar and I say, "All right, I'm supposed to go into the back for a podcast or something like that." And the first person didn't know what I was talking about, but the second person's like, "Oh yeah, just go through that garage door." I was like. Like the one I have to like lift, like an actual garage door. And like, yeah. Okay, we're in the we're in the champagne room, I guess. That's what we do. And you forgot your fish tacos. Uh, I didn't dollar know tacos. Dollar so tacos. Yeah, yeah, man. You know those fish tacos. This I is promise spot, I will not miss out on that. That's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So you know, I just want we wanted to get you on this show, man. We really it's been a long time coming for sure. And you know, I wanted to just kind of off the top is ask you how is. United Weekly going for you. It's great. I mean, we've only had two episodes, brand new, uh, but we've we've gotten kind of lucky in the first two episodes. So the first one we got to break some big news. There goes that garage. It's crazy. It's wild. 
Uh, but anyway, so the first one I got to break some big news, and that was the Nets coming down. Um, so that was kind of a big thing, you know, isotopes. Um, they were mandated by the Major League Baseball to make sure they had those nets uh, to, down the first and third base lines to protect people. It makes sense. You know, you get people hit with foul balls, but can get killed by that. It's terrible. Um, but at the same time, we're all aware, soccer fans, it's not exactly the best for soccer. You know, we one of the cool things about United matches is being able to interact with the players. They come into the stands. They want to high-five you. They want to sign an autograph for your kid. It's awesome. And so we kind of talked to the city about that. Um, you know, a bunch of United fans did. We went to the city council meeting, and we told them, you know, how important it is that we kind of find some compromise. And the city collaborated with us and came up with an awesome solution, which is essentially to bring those nets down before the United matches. Um, and so it's great. Uh, United's going to have to pay for that, which is not ideal, but they volunteered because they were well aware that it was uh, it was a necessary kind of change to make so that it wouldn't impact the atmosphere. So that was episode one. Right. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then in episode two, you, you know, you had a... Uh, Korczewski. Yeah. yeah. is the executive VP of the USL. So yeah, two for two. Uh, puts a lot of pressure on episode three. I don't know what we're doing yet. It's only a couple days away, so we got to figure that out. Um, actually, episode three, we have uh, Troy Lusane coming on. Okay. Uh, to talk about kind of, we, we try and do that, I think. We did the same thing last year, like the week before the season, try and get coach to come on to talk about plans for the season, you know, as he doesn't really want to talk tactics, and I don't blame him, you know, I don't want to give stuff yeah. away. Yeah. But uh, Troy's always a great interview, as you guys all know, uh, and we're excited to have him on, on on Saturday. It's a lot of fun. I'm like, man, the way that you keep going with these episodes, you're almost like uh, in the running to be the next. Uh, Three honest lads with uh, Tyler Terrence and Devin Kerr. Maybe I, they can just add you as a third lad. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't want to compete with those guys. They do. They do their thing. They're a little too phoenixy for me personally. But uh, breaking uh, break news yeah. on podcast. No, no. They're they're good. They're good. They're good. We had Tyler on the the Chris cast last year, and he was great. They're good folks. Uh, but uh, like I said, maybe a little too phoenixy for me. I'm, I'm I'm pure pure New Mexico. I like that. I like that. You know, and, and we've been listening to the Chris cast, so we've heard that you've had the players on, and you've been. Asking him the uh, the uh, red or green question. And, yeah. And it looks like Ryden got it right away. Yeah, and I saw Alicia asked us that question uh, for the WAGs for next week. Yes, I'm excited so about that. So ask them, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's an important question. And, yeah, that's the thing. Like, uh, we had uh, David Najam on week one, uh, and he did not know what the question meant. Uh, so we gave him a little bit of crap for it. Um, <laughs> just a little, just a little. And now I think he'll probably tell his his, uh, his teammates, be like, hey, make sure you know what that is ahead of time. So it's good. <laughs> Right on. So yeah, we you know we wanted to ask you some questions. You know, just kind of pick your brain more and kind of hear more about the curse. Um, Alicia, you had the first question, right? Yeah. So seeing you out there during the matches, you're a very big part of the supporters group. You're the leader. So Thank you. what what does that mean uh, to be the leader of the curse? Well, um, it's a lot of work, <laughs> um, but it's a lot of fun too. And uh, I think one thing we're trying to do this year, more so than what we did last year, mm -hmm. is trying to spread out that responsibility, uh, frankly. You know, I, I did a lot of work last year. I did a lot of work last year. Amanda and, and Andrew and there were a few people who did a lot of work last year, but it was really centralized. Mm -hmm. And that's bad for a couple reasons. One, I got burnt out by the end of the year. I was, I was toast by the end. Um, but I think even more important than that is that if you spread it out and I think that allows people to really take more ownership of it mm -hmm. and really feel like it's theirs. And it should be theirs. You know, the curse shouldn't exist if it's relying on a couple people to exist. It should be everybody's. Um, and so this year we've really changed the structure of it and we've um, introduced kind of uh, these committees. So there's six committees in addition to the four executives, so president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, those were already there. But this year we've got six committees um, and they're all focused on different things. And they each got a chair and the chairs were elected. And then 
within that, underneath that, any curse member, anybody can come out and be part of those committees and they can be part of multiple committees if they want. If they want to be part of the Hype Spirit and Roundiness Chair, uh, Committee, which essentially is involved in charge of TIFOs and chants and, and that kind of stuff, they can do that. And then they can go and be part of the Brand and Identity Committee, which is in part in charge of, um, you know, kind of our merchandise. If you have any ideas for merch and, you know, making sure that nobody knocks off our stuff. I don't know who would knock off curse stuff, but if they did, that's the, you're the enforcer. Can I, can I buy that? But then there's also like the community outreach committee, which is involved in charge of like, in my opinion, it's the most important committee. It's, it's in, in charge of like reaching out to the community and like figuring out how we can help because the committee supports, uh, the community supports us. We should support the community. So their community service and helping out families and kids and whoever, you know, it's, it, I think in my opinion, that's the most important thing. So yeah. it's really ownership and spreading out the wealth and, and really just having a great time with it. So that was part of my question. So Sorry. thank you for being um, <laughs> here with us today. Um, and I was just uh, just knowing that you guys are not just a group of fans. We, I include myself, because I've been in that crowd. And yeah. It's really, wow. really fun. We're not just fans. And so that was my next question. You integrated a lot of those people to come and be part of it. Yeah. Whose idea and where do you go from here? Because you already have everyone assigned to to a function. Sure. So what are the ideas coming up if you want to Yeah, so like what we're planning on doing kind of new in year two? Is that kind of yes. the question? Yeah. Yes, for uh, spring, or yeah. for 2020 season. Yeah, Sorry. so um, we had our kind of our leadership meeting a week or two ago. Um, it was pretty chill, just like a barbecue and some beers and it was nice. Um, we had all the committee chairs there. And um, the number one thing that we are uh, really, really preaching this year is inclusivity. Not that we weren't last year, and you know, that's always a goal, that's always super important, it should always be our primary goal. But you know, I would hear um, every once in a while, somebody would come to me and say, hey, I wanted to stand in the front row, and somebody told me, no, I can't, because you know, this person earned it, or something like that. Uh, can I curse on this? That's bullshit. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, no, that's that's not how this works. This is this is everybody's supporters group. This is everybody's club, everybody's team. Nobody has earned anything more than anybody else. We're all even. You're not better because you've been there since match day one. You're not better because you're in a leadership position. Everybody is the same. And so we're really, really trying to preach inclusivity and getting everybody involved because, like I said before, this should be everybody's team, everybody's supporters group. Nobody's better than anybody else. So that's that for me, that's my number one goal this year is this should be for everyone full stop period no exceptions nice. all right so i got the third question and uh, i'm going to come with a, l a little of that that new age lingo but uh, it seems a little bit like you're woke after uh <laughs> after uh going to the independent uh, supporters conference mm. you know pre pre isc where were you kind of at and then post like where were you at sure yeah so so uh, Pre-ISC, I think all of the, all of these ideas existed. I was this is how I felt beforehand. It was really cool to go to the ISC um, and talk to all these supporters from around the country, um, different leagues. You know, from the NWSL, from the MLS, from the NPSL, USL Championship, USL League, all these leagues, um, and really just kind of collaborate and share best ideas and practices, and really just kind of have these things reinforced. You know, we're talking about you know how important it is to be inclusive, how important it is to make sure that everybody feels like they have a place, and and to but not even things kind of as abstract as that, but even more concrete as like, how can we best like make sure that we get emails out to our membership? Like it could be that simple. Um, like how can we fundraise and use that money to go out in the community? All of these things. Um, so I think it was kind of, to answer your question, Chris, more reinforcement of the things that I already believe, but um, 
I guess more so empowerment to say, okay, we can do these things, we can accomplish these things. I'm seeing these things done in other places, so we know it's we know it's done. We know we can do it. Um, and then on the flip side of that was it was really kind of if I can brag a little bit, uh, cool to go there and being a, a supporters group that's only been around one year, be able to say, hey, we're doing this. This is what we've done. This is what's gone well. And other supporters groups say, hey, that's awesome. We're going to take that back. A perfect example of that is Los Carcitos. It's the first year we're doing it. Um, for those of you who, who haven't seen yet, because we haven't had a match since they formed, it's our kids supporters group, 13 and under. So if you are a kid or you have a, you're, you have a child who maybe you love the supporters group, you love the club, but the supporters group might not, the supporters section might not be the best section for you because it's a little rowdy sometimes. Um, Javier Obando uh, has, and a bunch of other parents came to us and they said, hey, we love the group, we love the team, um, we want to find a way to do this, and they started Los Crucitos. So, supporters group for kids, they have their own scarves, they have their own membership cards with discounts around town, just like the Curse do. Um, they have uh, their own chants. They're going to lead the march to the match from now on. They're going to do their own TIFO. It's awesome. We're trying to do, uh, it won't be for this year, but maybe next year, we're trying to get them to have a kid's capo. Like, this is stuff, like, again, this goes back to what I was saying, this should be for everybody, and that includes kids. So, I got a question for you all on those lines. Yeah. What discounts do the Crocitos get? Yeah, so we're working on finalizing everything. Uh, some of the ones that we already have locked in, uh, Rude Boy Cookies, buy one, get one cookie. That's cool. Um, we have uh, Explora, gets you 30% off admission at Explora, for, not just for the kid, but for the kid and their parent, which is awesome. Um, there's about a billion others that I can't remember right now. I'm not selling it very well. Um, <laughs> I, I was hoping that he was going to say ice cream. I was like, yo. Uh, so we're working, we're working on a gelato place. Uh, we are working on a gelato place for the Cursitos. Uh, but the Curse has uh, oh, oh, that's it. No, we have uh, uh, Paleta Bar is going to be on the Cursitos as well. So it's like if you get get a buy a Paleta, get a free Agua Fresca, I think it was. Oh. Um, something like that. All the Paleta Bar locations, there's like 10 of them around town. Um, so they've been super awesome, and you know we've got a bunch new for the curse too. So last year was mostly last year I think for the curse it was just the 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 support uh, the uh, watch party bars mm -hmm. and Rude Boy. They were awesome from from day one. We've expanded that. I think we had like six last year. I think we're up to like fifteen or twenty this year locations. Oh, wow. Wow. So it's gonna Congrats. be yeah, it's great. It's great. People are excited about it. Getting on board. It's restaurants. It's entertainment stuff. It's bars. It's bunch of stuff. Not bars for the kids, but... Cookie bars, right? Have you guys seen the uh, the membership card this year? I know this is radio, so this is not going to be very helpful for you listeners, but the membership card for this year, oh, wow. it is metal. It is a bottle opener. Last year was a nice little cardboard thing, but this thing is, it's pretty hefty. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't want to take my oh, card out nice. last year. I was, I'd flash a little bit of the stripes, but... Well, it, it got worn out last year. This is not going to get worn out. Exactly. Yeah. I got mine in my wallet, so... Yeah, so then, at least you have the next question, right? Yeah, so what what do you think makes the Curse so special and unique, different from other supporter groups, mm -hmm. including the bigger ones like MLS, EPL, and yeah. I love that question. I love that question. Uh, it's because it's uniquely New Mexico. That's, that's the answer. Um, you know, other supporters groups do things their own way, and that's great, and I, I don't mean to degrade anything anybody else does because everybody does things differently, and that's awesome for them. You know, what works in San Diego and what works in Phoenix and what works in San Antonio may not work here and vice versa. Um, but, but we are so uniquely New Mexican. I, I've lived in seven states. Um, this is uh, the place that I have decided to call home. 
is the place where I've decided to stay. Um, I never thought I would settle down in a place. Really, I thought I would just kind of always be nomadic. Um, I love it here, um, and it's because of the people. Um, it's because of the multiculturalism and the people coming together and being one and just accepting each other and loving each other. And I feel like that true New Mexican-ness bleeds through into the supporters group and to the club. Um, and I think that's what we do better than anybody else. All right, so can you tell us a little bit about your experience traveling to other stadiums and meeting other fans? Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, so last year I went to nine away games, which is ridiculous. It's so stupid. Nine away games. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's dumb, right? Yeah. Uh, but it was so cool. I mean, um, you know, we went to San Antonio. We went to Phoenix and El Paso. And, um, you know, Phoenix and El Paso are places we've been because, you know, we're, we're New Mexicans and we're close to there. Um, but, like, going to Minnesota last year. I'd never been to Minnesota in my life. Why would I have gone to Minnesota? Um, and the people we got to meet there were so cool and welcoming and friendly. And, like, we get there. And we have a hotel block. We have a block of hotels, two different hotels. Mm -hmm. And we get to our rooms, and the Minnesota Supporters Group, the Wonderwall, had put a case of local craft beer in every one of our rooms. Okay, oh, that's wow. awesome. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, that is yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's like, really cool. <laughs> like, that's a different level of hospitality and just, like, friendliness. And then, so then we, we, we're in our hotels, and then we go to, uh, they have a bar. They, like, they have a, a club bar. Uh, supporters group bar, rather. Um, and it's close to Allianz, which is a beautiful stadium, by the way. Um, and we go there, and we're all hanging out. It's Minnesota fans, New Mexico fans, all hanging out, having beers. There's just as much blue as there is yellow and vice versa. Um, sharing stories. And, like, I don't know if, if you really think about it. I don't know if you could find two different groups of, more different groups of people than New Mexicans and Minnesotans. Like, come on. <laughs> like, just, it's, it, you, you can definitely tell the people apart, but if you're just having a conversation with somebody, if they weren't wearing blue or wearing yellow, you'd never know. Like, we're all the same. We're all different, but we're all the same. And just, like, I think the, the, there are a couple unifying chords between soccer fans, for the most part, and that's love of your city slash state slash wherever you're from and wanting to, to grow the game and help that community. Um, and just finding that everywhere we went was so cool. So cool. I'm excited to do it again this year. We're going to places that I've never been before. Um, you know, it's it's going to be exciting to meet new fans, um, except for the ones from Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, we and, all uh, feel about the, the yeah. same way about. Yeah, Phoenix, no, they're so. they're they're awful. Um, but but no, in, in all honesty, it's just it's just great to meet the people and and just again, it's cool to see the love of people and the love of the sport, no matter where you go. So I mean, coming into this new season, obviously. You know, San Diego Loyal is a new expansion group, yeah. the new expansion team. So that means that there's now the locals. So another group that's they're obviously killing it already right. They're they're looking. They've obviously looked on to what the Curse has done in its first year. You know, they're looking to obviously take some of the the new heights. Uh, do you have you had conversations with uh, their uh, their 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 board and whatnot, and, and kind of what? What kind of conversations have you had? Where does it look like you're passing the torch in some areas? Yeah, so we we've, we have had the opportunity to have conversations with the with the locals um, and some of their leadership, and it's mostly all actually not mostly entirely via social media, Twitter. Um, and I'm really pumped by what they're doing. I mean, it's they have literally never played a competitive match in their history, and they've got over 200 members. When we were at this point last year, we were I think we were about 45 members, which was pretty good for never having played a match before. <laughs> And they're just, they're crushing it. They're knocking it out of the park. Um, the conversations via social media have kind of been revolved around, you know, this is growing really fast. You guys grew really fast. What did you do when this happened? 
important, you know, like, what do you do, you know, for bus trips? What did you do, you know, when going to away matches? Like, do you talk to the opposing front office? Like, how do you get this sorted out? Where do you get your ticket blocks? It's very logistical, yeah. um, you know, and, and I'm sure as uh, the locals go through actual matches, um, they will find new challenges just like we have and we will continue to do we have challenges all the time um, and so I'm sure they'll probably reach out to us and I'm sure they're reaching out to other supporters groups too and I think that's what any good supporters group does or any good group in general does need to be soccer like you learn from the people who've gone before you and we learn from people who've gone before us we still do all the time uh, we are far 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 from having everything perfect and we never will be you know we're always going to be growing and learning and all that kind of stuff and I think the the minute you decide that you've got it all mastered and you've got it all perfect is the minute you fall behind. Uh, so, cheers to the locals. I'm excited to see what they do this year. And San Diego's going to be a good team. They're going to be... They're definitely a playoff team. I think they could be a top four team. They're very good. <laughs> um, so, more on the fun side. Are you superstitious when it comes uh, before a New Mexico United match? All right. I, got, I have one superstition. Um, and it, it developed like kind of midway through the season. So um, there was this company that reached out to us. Um, I don't even remember the name of the company, but they would make cu they make custom socks. Um, and they uh, said, "Hey, do you want some? We'll send you a sample of some custom socks. You know, send us your logo. We'll do that." It's like cool. I sent them the Curse logo. They sent me these socks. They were awesome. These turquoise socks. They had like a camo pattern. Had the Curse logo on them. I loved them. And I wore them to a match. And we lost five one. <laughs> <laughs> Never wore them again. I wore them one more time and oh. we lost again. Oh, no. So three points, my fault. Sorry. Uh, but it was like, I love these socks. I really want to wear them. I threw them away. Threw them away. So Just this, not to match. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, this year we got we went to a different company. We were actually selling cursed socks now, completely separate. That company is dead to me. Um, to the point where I don't even know their name. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was, that was kind of one superstition for me. I can't think of any others, but that was the big one. Nice. Yeah. I guess continuing with the fun, with the fun side. I like fun. Fun's good. The best memory of 2019. Ooh. Um, so I go, I go back and forth between a couple. Uh, but if you're gonna make me pick one, I think it's the win in Denver. Uh, that that Open Cup win, uh, just the way we won it. Just, I mean, the shootout. We shouldn't have even been there, right? If if you just go by numbers and statistics and all that crap, like. New Mexico United had no business in our first year going to that, like getting to that point. And it was the first opportunity we had to say, okay, we're a USL club, we're a year one club, we're gonna take on the big boys, we're gonna go to their place and play in an MLS stadium. And I was hoping we'd keep it competitive, frankly. And we did, we kept it competitive to the point that we won the damn thing. Uh, so that moment where we're in the shootout, we have more fans in the stadium than they do. We all are arm in arm, you know, just, sweating it out because we're in this shootout and Chris Weehan goes top left bin. I mean, come on. It doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> I mean, Minnesota was amazing and wonderful and Dallas was awesome and beating Phoenix was great, but the first time we ever played an MLS club to win it in a shootout on their turf with more fans than them, I don't know that I'll ever top that in my life. That's awesome. That's yeah, great. That was definitely cool. I remember yeah. just watching that from here, from the salt yard, just watching that. We were just... We were just ecstatic. Like we, we had just lost our minds. Burn the place to the ground. Oh yeah, it was it was crazy because you know first off we didn't really know. I mean like this was my first time watching USL, so I'm like okay, can we really contend in this tournament? Yeah. And you know after Phoenix we were getting to Colorado, it's like okay now no one really wants us to end. And so when that happened and we went to obviously like you know to extra time, it was just like 
okay, all right, you know. And then when the wind's out, it's like, all right, this is awesome. Like, yeah. when's the next one in? Yeah. You know, and I, and I told you offline, like, you know, I literally, I had my finger just on that flight button. I was like, okay, <laughs> as, as soon as it's in Mexico and LAFC, I'm out. You know, yeah. I'm going, you know. And, and it just seemed like you had to go before that. Like, you all did. You guys traveled to each one and, you know, it was either a bus or it was a flight. Yeah. So uh, two things you just reminded me of. Um, the, the first one is, I, we haven't really talked about it publicly yet, but we can break a little news on the pod here. Um, so while we were at ISC, RJ and I, we developed this really great relationship with LAFC. Um, their supporters group, 3252, are amazing. They are what we strive to be, frankly. They are so just inclusive and friendly, and they kick so much ass. They're so loud. They're so in sync. They're awesome. So what we're going to do um, is we're going to do a road trip to L.A., um, when we play LA2, we play Los Dos on the same day LAFC plays... I don't remember who they're playing, but that's not relevant. Uh, they're playing a match the same day. We play uh, at... Sorry, they play at 1. Um, so we're going to go to that match, um, the LAFC match. Uh, and then the LAFC supporters are going to travel an hour down south with us and go to the New Mexico United LA2 match. It's gonna oh, be oh my That's going to be crazy. And what, it's what I'm talking about with like learning from each other. We're gonna learn from nice. them. We're gonna yeah. go. We're gonna be in their supporter section. We're gonna learn how they do things. And like, I don't know if you can find a better supporters group than the thirty-two fifty-two to learn from. They're they are so good. Bring yeah. ideas. Yeah, they're yeah. huge. I, I, I think amazing. I might have to be off that weekend, guys. I don't know. <laughs> and you're a California boy. <laughs> yeah. You fit right in. We need yeah. to travel. I think Definitely. I might have to take take that night off to be in a supporters group for that one. It's oh, be I know. So <laughs> that's, start looking to it now. <laughs> so right, right now we've got a couple bus trips planned for the year. One is definitely Phoenix. One is definitely El Paso. Um, but two maybes, if we get enough interest, one would be that LA one. If if enough people want to go to that, we'll get a bus. Otherwise, we'll carpool or whatever. But I would love to get a bus for that. Um, the other one is potentially San Diego. So San Diego is Labor Day weekend. We got really lucky with the schedule oh, on that. Yeah. Um, that could be something where maybe we take the bus out there for a couple days. Everybody spends a long weekend, enjoy the beach, go to SeaWorld, whatever you want to do, um, and also be the loyal. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, so, yeah, keep an eye out. Well, like I said, definitely LA. I mean, sorry, definitely Phoenix, definitely El Paso, and we'll see if we can do more beyond that. That'd be cool. And you will be updating us on all social media. Oh, uh, yeah, all the time. All the time we'll update on all that stuff. So, we've already got, uh, you know, trips planned, not bus trips, but to, we've got uh, about 150 people going to Austin for the opener. Oh, wow. Uh, so far. Uh, we've got about 200 going to Colorado Springs so far. <laughs> Um, we've got a much smaller group, but a, a good group going to Tulsa um, for the second match. Um, so we're trying to get at least a little bit to maybe every away match. And I want to try and get to some of these, like I said, these cities I haven't been to before. I didn't get to go to Los Dos last year. Um, you know, I didn't get to go to Monarchs last year. I'm going to try and go to that. Um, see Kaylin Ryan return home, that kind of thing. I would love to get to like Portland and Tacoma, but those are kind of far. Yeah. yeah, I would love to. I'm not going back to uh, to Las Vegas. That was a horrible experience. <laughs> <laughs> but I did it once. I did it once, and I'm good. Uh, I, I'm going to RGV this year to go see Ron Patel. Uh, gotta go see Ron. Uh, other than that, I probably never would have gone to RGV. But here we go. It's be right. fun. Nice. So I got a question uh, from the internet. The interwebs. What up, interwebs? <laughs> so uh, this comes from uh, the other half. RJ Manzano. Oh God, what do you do? Hey guys, first time, long time. <laughs> what is David's go-to karaoke song? <laughs> Dude, okay. Um, I think that depends on my level of inebriation. 
if, I, if I'm real drunk, uh, it's probably, uh, I believe in a thing called Love by the Darkness. <laughs> it's ridiculous high notes. Nobody should ever sing it, especially when they're drunk and especially not me. Uh, <laughs> but when I'm drunk, I don't care. So, yeah, if I'm sober, uh, I'm not doing karaoke. But if I'm somewhere in between, maybe it's like uh, Tom Petty, something like that. Yeah, kind of lame, but I like it. Bob Seger, <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, simple stuff with like singers who already have bad voices, so I'll fit right in. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, if you could play a 1v1 against any New Mexico United player, who would it be? But uh, your goalie cannot be Cody. So it's 1v1 and we and have a goalie? goalie yes. Okay, 1v1 and a goalie. All right, so I get to pick my goalie, but it can't be Cody. Yes. Oh, so I get it, Ben or Phil? You know, maybe one of them's gonna hate me now. <laughs> uh, I will. I'll go with Phil. Give him a shot. You know, new guy. I'm excited to see him. Um, so Phil's on my side. That means I got to go against Ben. Mm -hmm. Which good luck for me scoring on Ben. Um, and I have to pick who I'm playing against. Yep. Oh, you guys are just setting me up for failure. <laughs> um, who am I playing against? I'm gonna go against. Give me Devin, um, and I love it because I love Devin. And so he and I play a similar style. Um, he's obviously about 75 million times better than I am. But when I play in the very lowest league of Albuquerque Soccer League, where I belong, uh, I and if I'm playing striker, I am not. I'm physical. That, that's my that's my strongest attribute. Is I will go up and get any header. Uh, I will put a shoulder in somebody if I need to, um, and I feel like that that relates well to Devin. So let's go strength for strength. Um, his strength obviously much larger than mine, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but that's what I would do. So bring it on, Dev, anytime. <laughs> I don't mean that. <laughs> awesome. So my next question was related. It was more personal too. Uh, it was soccer related, and I, I got to see you score. That oh. was on a winner. Uh, game about two Sundays ago. Oh, geez. Okay. And that was with the Curse. Yeah. Balloon Fiesta Park. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've seen your skills. Well, thank you. And I wanted to uh, bring that up and also ask you, what do people need to do to join the Curse team? Oh, you want to on the ASL team? ASL. So we've local. got two teams. Uh, we've got uh, the Curse, just the plain old Curse, and then we have the Cursed Crew. Um, so the, uh, the Curse is a co-ed team. Uh, the Cursed Crew is a men's team. Um, and uh, so the people you need to reach out to, and they're gonna hate me for saying this, but I'm gonna say it on the air. It's okay. Sorry, Aaron. Uh, if you're interested in joining the cur the curse, it's Aaron Grenier. Find him on Facebook. He'll wonder why he suddenly has an influx of messages. Uh, and the cursed crew is Jerry Renau. R E. I'm gonna spell his name wrong. I think it's E U N E A U. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So he's the captain for the cursed crew. That's a brand new team that hasn't played a game yet. We played a. Scrimmage the other day. Uh, Are you playing the ASL Spring yeah. this coming yep. season? Yeah. Awesome. So one men's team, one co one co-ed team. Co I will be sore all the time. It'll be great. <laughs> uh, but I'm playing. Um, I'm playing. I, I think. How about a women's? I would love to get a women's team together. I would absolutely love that. Um, if if y'all are interested in doing a women's team, if we can get enough people who are interested, I would totally be up for that. I think it's too late to do a spring one, but for the summer, yes. reach out to me. I would happily set that up. That would be awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. Nice. Sounds good. So, uh, Gabe Hogan has a question for you. He says, uh, David, what's your favorite beer? Have you ever dabbled in home brewing? And what is your favorite leisure activity outside of soccer and drinking? 
All right, I'll take offense to that. <laughs> Assuming that one of my favorite leisure activities is drinking. I mean, he's right, but... Um, uh, so my favorite beer, like, of all time, are we talking New Mexico beers? I mean, you could do New Mexico beers, yeah. Okay, so my favorite New Mexico beer is Zombies in the Manger, which you know well about. I heard you talking about it on the last episode. Ooh, man. Yeah, the Biscochito Stout from Star Brothers. Um, makes me very sad because it's seasonal and it just went away, so we won't have it again until December. Uh, it is delicious. I'm a stout, porter, red ale, brown ale guy. I like dark beers. Um, and so that's my favorite New Mexico beer. Um, my favorite beer of all time uh, is the Founders Kentucky Breakfast Stout. Uh, it is a uh, stout by Founders, which I think is based in Ohio. Is there any chicken in that? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, aged in, it's a dark stout that's aged in bourbon barrels. Uh, and it is really good and really potent. Um, back in the day, it used to be really hard to find. They've since made it more easily available, but when it was in smaller batches, uh, I used to go to uh, this local, I wouldn't call it a tap room, but it was essentially a place where you just go to fill up, it was a growler fill up place. And they would get it on whatever day it was, and there would be a line down the block for people who want to get this beer because it was only available for a short time, once a year. And so I used to wait in that line for like two hours to get it. And now it's available everywhere, and I think they've changed the recipe a little bit. It's not quite as good as it was, but it's still delicious. still my favorite beer, Founders Kentucky Breakfast Style. You can probably get it at like, uh, uh, what is it? What are the liquor stores? The big ones. Oh, uh, what, wine. The, uh, Total Wine. There Total you go. Wine, there I think Total Wine has it, and they've got it in the four packs. So, uh, yeah, really, really good. Right when you I've said never that, done home brewing. <laughs> right, right when he said that, he said, Kentucky, I want to hear fried chicken. Like, you know. <laughs> I do love KFC. do love that. But, yeah, um, I've never done home brewing. Um, I like to drink the beer. I don't like to put the effort in to make it. I like to drink other people's homebrews. Uh, Jake Gutierrez, uh, shout out to Jake, uh, made an excellent homebrew the other day that we had at that Curse Leadership meeting. Uh, it was fantastic. So, yeah, I'm, I'm into drinking the brews, not necessarily into making them. Awesome. I, I got another question. All right, lay it on me. Expectations for New Mexico United 2020. Yeah, they're going to go undefeated, uh, win the league. Uh, they're not going to get scored on at all. Um, greatest team in the history of not just American soccer, but soccer ever. So, I mean, if, if Sammy, Sir, Sammy Sergi's early totals are any indication, we'll never lose. Come on. Well, you I'm, set the bar high. Yeah. But no, uh, if, in all honesty, um, I think I'm really excited. I'm excited because of the depth that we have this year. Um, I think Troy and company did a really great job of uh, addressing depth. You know, last year with that Open Cup run, uh, I think it took a lot out of us. You know, I love the Open Cup run. I wouldn't trade it for anything, you know, unlike RJ who wants to trade it for anything. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I think uh, you can say that while also realizing that it took a lot out of us physically and mentally. I think Troy has really gone out of his way to address that this year. Just look at, I mean, we'll start up top. I mean, you've, Devin's returning, obviously. You lost Santi and you lost Kevon, which are a lot of goals. But you return with guys like Romeo and guys like Amando. And then, so those are your, supposed to be your three guys. Devin, Romeo, Amando up top, right? They're supposed to dominate. And three guys for two positions, potentially. And then, all of a sudden, this guy, Sammy Sergi, who's fresh out of college and nobody has really any expectations for, gets three goals in two matches. That's okay. Great. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. You put you put two. Pick your two of those four. Alex Mansfield said this on Twitter the other day, and I agree with him wholeheartedly. Take your pick, two of those four. Right. You start them up top. Let's say it's Devin and Romeo. Seventieth uh, minute rolls around. You take those two out and sub them with the other two. Talk about that spark. Nobody's gonna be able to keep up. No. After you're dealing with just the strength and the power of Romeo and Devin, come on. And then you have these two spark plugs come on. 
Good luck to any defense in the USL handling that. And that's just up top. Look at the back line. That was times last year, especially toward the beginning of the season, they had trouble gelling. You know, we were kind of bleeding goals at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. But you reinforce with a guy like Kaylin, Kaylin Ryan, a proven champion, uh, one of the best players on one of the best teams last year. You, I mean, I think it's another year for Rashid Tate to improve. Um, you add guys like uh, Andrew Tanari in the midfield. I mean, you, I mean, these are going to be players who just come in and dominate. David Najem on the right side is really going to give some help to Manny. Manny Padilla doesn't have to play every match now mm -hmm. because you've got David Najem coming in to spell him. Um, the depth is incredible. Um, I'm, I'm pumped for this year. So if, if you're asking me to put a number on it, um, I kind of waffle back and forth. I think right now New Mexico is probably a four seed maybe. That would be my guess. But I, I know depending on the day, I might tell you that they're a two seed and I might tell you they're a six seed and I go back and forth between it, you know. Um, so I, I'm excited for, for what they're going to bring, definitely. Um, and I think, like I said, this team is built for more matches. So if we do make another Open Cup run, awesome. It's going to be great. Um, and if we don't, great. We have all that time saved up and those legs and that energy saved up for a playoff run. I'm excited for that too. Agreed. So, so last question for you, David. Um, so, have you have you been to the moon recently? And, uh, <laughs> been to the moon? Have you been to the oh. Have you been to the moon recently? And if so, what could you tell us about that trip <laughs> to the moon? Uh, without I did not go to the moon. Without uh, giving it, it away. I was not at the moon. Um, I did see some photos from the moon on social media, just like everybody else did. Uh, I'm fairly <laughs> certain that moon is probably white sands. Uh, looks like gypsum to me. Um, and are, if you're asking me to give you details on the jersey that I don't have, uh, <laughs> it looks like looks to me like it's probably going to be black. <laughs> but that's, <laughs> that's all I got for you, man. And, and it's puma. Too. It's puma. Um, <laughs> Other than that, I don't have anything. I don't have anything for you. What, what do you? What do you? What do you think? In your own, in your own thought, what do you think it, it probably looks like? Well, I'm hoping. Um, you know, obviously, last year everybody loved the jerseys last year. Um, but if you really think about it, and what I've what I've seen on social media a lot from uh, haters uh, is that <laughs> it, it was it was pretty much a template jersey with an awesome sponsor. I've heard that, and there's some validity to that. I doesn't mean I didn't love the jersey. It was freaking awesome. One of the best ones in the league. I'm hoping that the switch from Adidas to Puma will give us a little more creativity, a little more creative flexibility. We've got some really creative people in the front office, and they have the ability to make some awesome things. Guys like Josh Lane, Marcos Travers, you know, they can do amazing things. And so I'm really excited to see, with the creative flexibility that Puma will afford them, what they can do, something different, something new, something exciting. It's the same way I feel about a stadium, frankly. You know, any, any city could potentially get a stadium, but when you have the creativity that New Mexicans have, the art history that we have here, both in, in historical art and modern art, things like Meow Wolf, um, the possibilities for a stadium and making it different and unique in New Mexican is unlike anywhere else. So I've, I'm really excited for it. We've got, well, what's today? Today's Tuesday, so we've got four days until we find out what it looks like. The home, hopefully the home in the away, I think. Uh, is that what they're saying to the black? Just, 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 just the away. Just the away. Okay, well, we'll see what that looks <laughs> like. And I'm excited. We're going to have to wait a little more, yeah. I'm excited for it. I, I, I hope it's creative. I hope it's something new and exciting. And I'm sure it will be. I don't, I don't have any doubts with these guys. Well, you know, I mean, it's been great having you on the show. Any final words from you, David, that you want to leave our listeners? Sure. I, I'd be happy to, to kind of reiterate, you know, the curse is for everybody. Um, you know, you don't have to stand in the supporter section. You don't have to wear a certain color. You don't have to sing a certain chant or song. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to march with us. You, it, the curse is for everyone. It should be for everybody. So I just want everybody to know that you're welcome to join us. The tailgates are for everybody. The tailgates are free. Um, 
they always will be. We're never going to charge for food or anything like that. Um, we want everybody to be there and to have fun with us and enjoy it and give us your ideas too. If, if you think the curse needs to go in this direction or you want to do this with a chance or this with the logo or something, talk to us. That's why we have these committees. We, we want ideas and we want to collaborate. And again, this is uniquely New Mexican and that means it's for all of us. Well, thank you, David. We really appreciate you being our guest on the show. RJ, that means you're up next. Yeah, no pressure, bud. I'm going to think of a dumb question for you, too. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, we thank you, David, and, uh, and we'll uh, see you at a match. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. And so now they got this thing on USL called the USL Tears. And uh, USL Pony from the USL show, he had kind of thrown this out there on the Internet. And, you know, I kind of sat back for a while because I was like, oh, I'm not really sure if I want to throw together this tier. And then I started seeing so many tiers out there. And I thought it would be interesting for us to each kind of plot teams based on how we thought uh, they were going to do. Just just going off of a preseason um, indicator and what we've seen in the offseason. So um, I thought we would kind of jump in and and start with e uh the teams that should wait until 2021 who do you have for that so for that one i did put the sounders two and the switchbacks okay and and was there anything in particular why you threw uh switchbacks or sounders two in that category it was mostly based off of what happened in the 2019 season, seeing them at the very bottom of the table and not seeing not for them seeing the light for even a playoff spot or even playing in to get a playoff spot. I, I just think it's going to go the same way this season. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I put uh switchbacks uh, FC Tulsa and Las Vegas lights uh, in that category, for the most part, I felt like uh, switchbacks, they had just lost some players and they're kind of going through a transition uh, right now. Um, and I felt like, you know, being the last team, you know, they would have to do some heavy rebuilding to be able to come become a playoff contender uh, right away. Uh, FC Tulsa, uh, kind of the same thing. I mean, just, you know, I mean, they just did a rebrand and obviously they've added some players. Uh, but I, I just don't know if if 2019 is a bounce back – or sorry, if 2020 is a bounce back year uh, for them. And then Las Vegas Lights, of course, they they lost a lot of their players. They offloaded a lot of players in the, in the uh, end of the season. And, you know, again, so, you know, they're practically, if you think about it, I mean, losing so many players like that, they're almost in the same boat as like an expansion team, just pulling in players wherever you can and trying to put something together that's going to work out on the pitch. You know, I'm, I, I think we'll really kind of see uh, probably a good idea of what their season might look like just looking at their opening game or one of their opening games against uh, San Diego Loyal. Uh, so then going in the next category, uh, D, needs luck to make in the play, play in. Who do you got there? So there I have um, Las Vegas Lights, uh, RGV, and Los Dos. Okay. Um, so give me one of those teams and why you think that they need a little luck to get in. Uh, just how you were speaking on Las Vegas Lights, they lost a lot of their players. And a lot of their good players, they lost to San Diego Loyal. 
And to me, San Diego Loyal is looking like the better team already. Looking at their supporter, their supporter group, they're doing phenomenal over there. And they just played one game. And you can't really tell much from one game, but you can tell they're a pretty solid team, San Diego Loyal. And um, not talking just about them, but Las Vegas Lights, it's just, it's just not going to happen this year for them. Okay. Um, yeah, that's actually interesting. Uh, I, I can see that with like Las Vegas lights too. I mean, you know, if you look at things like, okay, like, you know, that team had the kitty pools and, and the glitter and, and the moving, uh, figures behind the goal. I mean, the Haritos, <laughs> like they had a lot of stuff going on, you know, I just don't know if it's enough to give them momentum to flow in. Um, so, and I was actually just looking at my tier. I realized what I did in E, I had all the two teams because I felt like at the end of the season, those teams aren't, uh, they really aren't much to be able to make the playoffs. So my D, I stand corrected, actually was the switchbacks, FC Tulsa and Vegas Lights. And I oh. felt and I felt like, um, I felt like two of those teams would get in, but I didn't know which two. And I felt about the same way about all three of them that that they might do they might do a little bit to put themselves in a position, but for the most part, like they're going to have to kind of back into the playoffs. And, and that's kind of the position that we were in with for New Mexico last season is that. You know, five games out, we were trying to obviously secure a better spot. But then by the last two or three, we were kind of in that position where we needed someone else to lose and we just needed to, like, at least get a draw or something of the nature. So, Mm -hmm. you know, not a spot I would want our team to be in. And, and, you know, and so, you know, that's kind of what I had. So... Then moving up to CC is good enough to be a play-in team. Now, obviously, again, New Mexico became a play-in team, but we were ranked number 10 at that. So who do you have is good enough to be a play-in team? Uh, Good enough to be a play-in team, I have FC Tulsa and OKC. Okay. So why do you got OKC there to be a, good enough to be a play-in team? It was mostly just based off of the preseason friendly we just had with them this Sunday. They played a, a hell of a game against us. Uh, we only won, I believe it was 2-1. And that's that's a pretty close game. And seeing the updates, it was it seemed to be very back and forth, back and forth. Right. I agree with you. I mean, just based on that alone. Um, so for me, when it came to C, I have Austin Bold. San Antonio uh, FC and OKC Energy. Um, for me, I think why I put they're good enough to be a play-in team is like with San Antonio. Obviously, like they had to make some key changes. I mean, they lost their head coach; they got a new coach in. So you figure that new coach who's in now, obviously, you know he's got breathing room because he's coming in after like the former coach. Um, you know, and so obviously they've added some players to their mix. They've re-signed some key players. Um, I felt like they wouldn't miss the playoffs this time around um, because obviously there's a little bit more incentive. Uh, With Austin Bold and OKC, um, I kind of feel that they're kind of along the same lines. I mean, they're still signing players. I believe there's still a good amount of – you're still hearing a good amount of trialists 
running through Austin Bold's camp. They're not necessarily um, – they have, like, the players that we knew, like Lima, and they've got um, – gosh, who else do they have? Lima, uh, McFarlane. Uh, so they've got some players on that roster that I feel they can play. Um, with a team like Austin being an expansion team last year, do I think that they can repeat it? I think that with the players they have, that they have a formula that can repeat. And uh, then uh, with OKC Energy, for the most part, like against, according to that friendly, it, it would seem like, you know, it would seem like they are obviously rebuilding, I guess is what I'm getting to with them. So that's that's kind of why I have them there. I feel like they could do something with that. So we're at B, which is basically missing one or two pieces needed to be considered legit. Uh, who do you have in your section B? So for that one, I have Reno, San Antonio, and Locomotive, and Austin Bold. Okay, so give me one of them. So, Locomotive, uh, last season, they were kind of really slept on. They were a really good team. They made it to the final of the Western Cup. And they didn't really get that much uh, of the spotlight on on them. It was also their inaugural season. So, that was a really big thing that was going on over there. And kind of the light was just shining on New Mexico United, like, no hate on that, but El Paso needed some love too because they accomplished way more than we did. And I just feel like this time around with their best player, uh, Jerome Keith Sweater, leaving to enter Miami, something is going to be missing, but they're not going to make it far enough. Right. Well, they also are missing out on Sebastian Velasquez as well, mm-hmm. uh, going over to, uh, to Miami FC. So, they definitely got some missing pieces there. It's it's too hard to know if right now if Dissel's if Distel Zola or if Fabrice Faboku are going to be able to fill voids uh, for for locomotive. So I, I could definitely see where you're going with that one. For me, I got Loyal, uh, Reno, Sacramento, uh, Republic, and uh, OC um, Orange County uh, SC, and. Uh, you know, I put Loyal there because it's too hard to know if, if in their inaugural season if they have everything possible to be able to um, make a solid deep run into a playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's just going basically off of our season. And, you know, you get these players that, you know, either were uh, a part, a big part of another, another team's system or they were players that were fighting for minutes. Uh, so it's kind of hard to say whether or not they'll be a team that would make a deep run. And I also put OC there because I felt like they lost some key pieces um, in the offseason. I know they, they lost Michael Seaton to an international club. And um, and then, of course, like, you know, as we'll talk about them here in a bit, I mean, they did pick up some pieces, but it just, for me, I feel like, you know, they also lost um, – another player to Phoenix rising as well. One of their defenders. So it's like, just that being said, it's like, uh, you know, to go from a squad that a couple years ago was a regular season, uh, 
champion and then lost in the final to Phoenix to, you know, basically trying to go at it the next season and then finishing fifth. And then this year now it's like, you know, what does that look for a team? So, I mean, those are kind of like, those are two that I would really kind of spend a little bit more time on and kind of focus on why I think that, that they're missing one or two pieces. So then moving to, to a, a is talented enough for a deep playoff run. Who do you have in a? I have orange County and real monarchs. Okay. I want to hear about why you have Real Monarchs or Orange County there. So Real Monarchs, they're a 2019 USL uh, champ. And I just don't think that they'll be able to repeat that again. And they're going to go up against very different teams like San Diego Loyal. um, And you don't know what's going to happen there. And they also might have pieces missing for them to try to make it far in playoffs, and they're just going to ne- get knocked out by one of the teams that people just don't see coming. Okay. For me and my A, I've got New Mexico United, El Paso Lo- uh, Locomotive, and Real Monarch. And I felt like, you know, in our offseason for New Mexico United, there wasn't – like they picked up players that I felt like that – they should have had the first year around, um, more or less. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, we definitely, you know, did thrive from having Santi Moore and having Kavon Freider on the squad. You know, however, you know, when you really look at the full season uh, for what it was worth, I mean, there was a good amount of time where Santi just really wasn't in the scoreline. I know there were several t- several times where you commented that it's just that we just didn't really see Santi you know, really being able to really pad the scores. And then there was a good time where Kavon just really, you know, wasn't able to translate his efforts into uh, goals of the net. You know, I mean, there was, mm-hmm. we, it, uh, to me, like I think about the game against Phoenix Rising in Albuquerque, like that was a game where you really needed Kavon to have one of his top performances. And you didn't really see that. No, and I always felt that with Kavon, I just, he never gave his 100%. I just always felt that when he would step on that field that he was giving us from 70 to 80. It was never 100. And it just doesn't seem right. Like, I mean, they're professional players. Like, it should be non-negotiable. They should be giving you 100% maximum all the time. Definitely. And with when we played Phoenix here at home, you could tell everybody was giving 110%. And with just Kavon there, I I don't know. We He just needed the, a little bit more of a push. And maybe he would have stayed on the team this season with that little bit of a push. Yeah, definitely. I mean, of course, you know, having as many yellow cards as he did, you know, it got to a point where it was like it almost became kind of like an expensive habit. Like it was like he was in between the different punishable levels of having so many cards that, you know, to to lose one is to gain one and to gain one is to lose one. It just got to a point where, you know, where you couldn't really get as much out of him. Mm hmm. Yeah, and also with Santi Moore leaving, that was one of our best players there. But is he really going to do well in Phoenix? I don't think so. Seeing at the pre-se- their preseason friendly so far, he's only had uh, one goal. 
and he's he's gotten minutes and if that's all he's done i mean asante is still that star of the team and i don't think nobody's going to take that from him yeah it's definitely going to be interesting to see uh ultimately how many minutes santi gets uh you know just looking at like the twitterverse a little bit it seems like the fans are trying to adjust to the fact that santi moore is going to be their their savior uh this season or maybe be like their additional piece um but the, the sad thing there is that, yeah, he will have some impact if he gets hot, but mm-hmm. we we have kind of seen him get hot and also cool off for quite a bit of part of the season. So, yeah. Yeah, with that there, uh, he kind of fell off of that in the last part of the season with us. He just wasn't performing as well as he did in the beginning. And that's because teams were figuring him out. Like, they were on him like leeches, and they would not let him do anything. So with that, I mean, we know we know how he is, and maybe our defenders will know how to stop him, and he just won't be seen on that field anymore. Yeah, that's very true. So, I mean, I feel like according to that, you know, what we picked up with Romeo Parks and with Sammy Sturgi and with Lamondo Marino and Kalen Ryden, like we picked up players with deep experience and success. And to me, again, like I said, like I feel like those are probably players we needed the first year. We know that Troy had a different sort of roster that he wanted in his initial year, but he probably couldn't get those players or they were under contract or what have you. So you know, obviously, he took what was probably his next best. So it's kind of nice to know that we've gotten some of his A-list players. I don't know if we've gotten them all or if there are other players that he still has yet to get. But, you know, obviously, those are uh, off-seasons to come. Um, so then in our last category, we've got Cupper Bust. And we did a Eastern Conference team and a Western Conference team. We don't really watch – the Eastern as much. So we kind of just had to take kind of a massive prediction. So what do you have for your Eastern team first? So my Eastern team, I was looking at stats and uh, it was Louisville FC that really kind of blew my mind here in the off season. They did this tournament and they won. And I mean, what team does that in the off season? Still going to tournaments and not getting off of that pitch. They're getting work done, and you're probably going to see it here in the next season. And who knows, maybe New Mexico United or Phoenix Rise, you could see them in uh, the USL Cup final. Right. Okay. And then uh, for my Eastern Conference team, I had Miami FC. And for me, like, I mean, reading up about them and obviously how successful they've been in the league they came from, you know, just realizing that, you know, as they absorbed the Ottawa Fury, uh, you know, franchise, you know, and then they basically became Miami FC in the USL, USL Championship, you know, there's just too many things that are good about this team, you know. And I, I was definitely on the fence between Miami FC and Louisville City just because, you know, Louisville City obviously has proved that they got the formula. Um, to have them have gone back to the Cup last year, you know, I thought for sure we were going to see a three-peat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but so it was definitely hard, but 
you know, I guess I felt like, you know, if there was a team that was going to be able to really put up against Louisville, it was going to be Miami FC. Well, we'll see that in here about 10 games. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then who do you have for uh, your Western Conference Cup or bust? So I really didn't have a set team. I had to put them in between tiers of between A and the cup or bust because I feel like these teams, they have what they need and they're going to make it deep into there. But I just don't know if it'll be enough to win the USL Cup final. And with that, I have New Mexico United and Phoenix Rising. Okay. Uh, so... Just start off with uh, Phoenix Rising. Well, Phoenix Rising, like we said earlier, they did gain some pretty good signings. Santi Moore. They kept Asante, which was, I mean, not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, just the way they've been building that and their 21-win game streak from last season – I mean, can it happen again this season? Maybe, maybe not, but they really have some strong players on that team. Okay, yeah. Um, I also added Phoenix to my cup or bust. And, you know, it really wasn't – it wasn't hard for me to put them there. Maybe as a fan I didn't want to put them there because, you know, obviously we want, we want our team to do well, but – when it came to really looking at the fact that they did, you know, stack up the chips, I mean, they went as far as, you know, bringing players from international soil as well as taking players that they felt felt were key from other Western Conference teams. Um, mm-hmm. To me, like, that kind of shows that you got a coach that's really trying to be strategic. I mean, obviously, they've got track record. And probably, you know, the bank account to be able to offer some contracts. Um, So it definitely, to me, was obvious to throw Phoenix there. Um, I would say that if they don't win this year, I don't think that they'll have those players come back. I think that some players will be leaving. Yeah, definitely. And I just sent you something, but I don't know if we're going to talk – Phoenix friendly today, if you want to put that out there. Oh yeah, let's go ahead and do that because I mean, this is our uh, this is like our Fat Tuesday edition podcast. You know, I <laughs> we recorded yesterday a Fat Tuesday, and today is Wednesday, and so we're we're getting the rest of the episode in. So uh, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about that friendly then. All right, yeah. Since I have both teams there in the in between categories. Um, New Mexico United did take the W 1-0 by a goal with Chris Weehan, assisted by one of our new signings, Amanda Moreno. And I just feel that the, their starting 11 compared to ours, it seemed like in the first half of the game, we did have more chances and more possession. And to me, it just, they were trying to figure us out, which is a good thing. They're trying to play to us and we're not trying to play to them. But I also noticed that they did not put Santi Moore in or Asante. And if those two players would be in, would that change uh, the game? Yeah, I think it would definitely add a different dynamic. Um, you know, I, I, I think for for better judgment that they didn't put Santi into that match because obviously it's his former club and, you know, this is just a friendly and maybe they just – you know, 
I honestly think that they wanted the best sort of outlook here. And they already obviously know how Santi plays. So they weren't going to get much from that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you never know. Like, I mean, honestly, like, I don't know what friendlies look like when it comes to former players. You know, we, we saw through the season, what actual competition looks like. It looks like getting into your former player's head and trying to draw fouls and, and such. Um, so, so I wonder if maybe if he just, if it was personal choice or, or what, what that looked like. I mean, I'd be curious to know uh, the answer to that one. Yeah, no, definitely. And with them not putting, uh, with Phoenix not putting in uh, more, I just feel like that tension is going to build up even more to when we actually play them either first there here. I can't remember which one's first, the home or away. But if that competition is going to be tough. And I know that a lot of our players are going to probably get into Santi's head. Oh, yeah. I think Manny Padilla is going to be probably one of them is going to oh, be. Oh, yeah. Offering offering the challenge. Uh, so I was just reviewing the schedule while you were saying that. And uh, we play against them on the 13th of June. And then we travel to them on the 22nd of August. Okay. Yeah. So we play them here at home first. So we should just make a statement. Right. Exactly. So that definitely will be an anticipated uh, matchup. Um, and then you were mentioning about Asante. So, like, I think not having Asante in, I mean, he had obviously just played against RSL. Um, I I think he really – I would have to imagine that their coach really wanted to see how their newer players would do against New Mexico. And, of course, you know, obviously we had in our newer players. So, you know – what an actual match would look like against Phoenix the first time would probably be their actual chosen 11. You probably would have Asante in there as a primary player. Mm-hmm. They, they probably would not go too experimentative on their first matchup against us. Uh, they would probably stick to their guns for the mm-hmm. most part. Even then, if you were looking at Phoenix Rising's Twitter, it seems like they were pretty confident they were going to take a win today. And when full-time scored was posted, they just put GG, full-time, 1-0, at, and tagged New Mexico United. That was it. And I'm like, seriously? You, it's a preseason friendly. Well, it's a, to have them win against three MLS teams and then post up like a, a zero or a 1-0 loss, it's like you know that they're not playing this friendly any less – then they're playing those, you know, mm-hmm. of course that was for the Tucson cup and it's like more competition. It's not really a friendly, um, but still like, I mean, if you're a team that is heavily loaded, like, you know, it's, sh- it should be like apples to oranges. You know, you mm-hmm. would think that there would not be as much of a struggle. So to me, to show that there's still, is that sort of edge that New Mexico has, whether it's a friendly or a competition? It tells me that we that we have a really good chance this season against Phoenix Rising, and I think that it's not going to be draws. If it's draws, I would. To me, if it's draws, then that just only is going to put in why I think that that's the rivalry. But you know, if there are actual wins and losses this year, um, then to me, like 
you know, each fan base is totally going to like feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. It's just gonna come down to when we actually play them because we're gonna have our key players. They're gonna have their key players, and it's just gonna go. It's just gonna be a, a showdown. Right. So that kind of put it at a point. Um, so the next thing I was going to tell you about is, so they have this thing that's been kind of floating around Twitter. And I don't know if you've seen it in, in the other places of the internet, but there's this award. It's called the wooden spoon award. Have you heard of that yet? I believe it's like the worst team gets that award. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like the worst team in the U- USL. Um, the worst teams in the USL get that award. And, uh, and it's basically like, it's been put together. It's being put together by some supporters, um, and or some supporters groups, or and they're basically like the composite of it is like it looks like a baseball trophy. Like there's like it kind of does because <laughs> all like, the spoons are lined up. <laughs> yeah, it's like thirteen thirteen spoons. They're still trying to figure out what they want to do. Like I mean, obviously they're going wooden spoons, and and there's all these jokes like about what they should do with it. <laughs> and what else it could be used for and and i don't know like how like could you imagine like if your team if if new mexico united was the worst team and they presented that trophy to like david carl and rj that, uh, like that on, on behalf of the team that, it would be pretty funny <laughs> yeah like i was just like what the heck so and i mean they're still making it seem kind of nice that they're gonna put like a little plaque like naming titles on it. I'm thinking you should just put some like tape on there and just kind of write the team's name or whatever, you know? Yeah. If anything, they'll probably just pick uh, the team that they hate the most in the USL. That's what it is going to come down to. I'm like, yo, let's just like create a spoon and, 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 you know, send it to them and be like, yo, use this spoon. It's from New Mexico. It's from a, it's from a, You know this 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 spoon has such both green and red chili. You know what I mean? Like it's I just mean, crazy. We should create one and just put Phoenix diving on there and present it to them. Right, exactly. <laughs> I swear it's it's crazy. Like I was like, wow, they got a wooden spoon award. But word is that uh, the curse is working uh, with another entity, and they're creating something along the lines. I don't know if it's going to be the worst team award or what it is, but I guess there's more information to come on that. Oh, okay. So, um, so then lastly, like I thought that we would jump in or back into our preseason primer. Obviously this is our last preseason episode. So we're trying to close out um, breaking down the roster. So we were talking forwards uh, this episode. So I'll kick us off talking about Sammy Sergi. Okay. So Sammy Sergi, obviously one of our signings this year. He's a graduate of Xavier uh, University. Uh, he, he's a striker. He played with Cincinnati Dutch Lions of the USL2. Um, so far with New Mexico during this preseason, he's netted three goals. Uh, you know, he might just be an exciting rookie to watch. Uh, the uh, He's wearing number 23 this year, which last year was – also wore by a rookie, Tommy Madden. Um, you know, something that was actually interesting that I, I found interesting, uh, just kind of thinking about Sammy Sergi, 
when you think about how Troy would find this player is that the coach of Cincinnati Dutch Lions um, was actually on the same team as Troy as players. They played on a team called the Wilmington Hammerheads. And it was a team that they played on together before Troy started playing for uh, the the battery. And so, uh, and so that to me is interesting because basically, you know, when we talked to Troy back at the inner squad friendly, which is funny that we're referring to this a couple episodes now, but when we talked to him at the inner squad friendly, we were asking about Connor Rutz and he was saying that he knew the coach of that team and that he was just a really good trusted source. And so that started me up to go and look up who the coach was of the Cincinnati Dutch Lions. And then I figured out that he was also on the Wilmington Hammerheads at the same time that Troy was. And uh, I realized that they were, they were players together and that that's why Troy took his word for it. And so so that again shows how Troy works within his networks. Yeah, definitely. And if you uh, referring to this again, uh, most of the players that he signed are Eastern, even the coaches Eastern. Yeah. Now that is actually interesting. Let's talk about that for a minute. Eastern conference is known to be more defensive than attacking. Right. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the team, has a more defensive presence with bringing in Eastern Conference players is actually interesting because the first year he said that he started the team with an attacking mindset. So he added people that were attacking, even though there were those defensive players in there. Mm -hmm. So now you see him adding players that are defensive in nature, but are still a threat. Yeah. And I just feel like, uh, in the Western, it's going to be a very different type of play that New Mexico United is going to have due to the mindset Troy is having from the Eastern Conference. They're going to be very attacking, attacking, attacking. But with our defense, it's just they're going to be stopped. And then they're going to have to try and figure a way out to get a way around us. But at the same time, not only do we have those great uh, defenders like in the midfield, like Andrew Tenari, for example, or David Nashem in the right back position. Um, but we also have Sammy Sergei, Romeo Parks, Weehan Sandoval, who can um, out of nowhere have that spark of energy and just go, go, go. Yeah, that's true. And and so that that was something I had was really kind of spinning my wheels on. And I was going to ask you, like, do you ever find yourself – did you find yourself last year really focusing on in, in on any of the rookies? Um, it was last year. It was just mostly Rashid. He was the only one that kind of really caught my eye in the way he played. Um, there was times when most our center backs were hurt, and he had to step in, and he did a fantastic job. He saved us. I don't know how many times, and he really did deserve Rookie of the Year last year. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you were going to talk to us about Amando Moreno. Yes. So Amando Moreno, he was by far one of my favorite signings. He started off actually in Liga MX. He started off with Club Tijuana in the year 2014. 
all the way to 2016, where he had 21 matches and five goals. And after that, he played 2017, he played with Dorados from Liga MX, where he had 12 matches and two goals. After that, he kind of went down a tier to the USL and played for the New York Red Bulls 2, 30 matches, 11 goals, and 4 assists. And before us, he was in the MLS, but didn't really get that much playing time with only 7 matches. And I was kind of glad that we picked him up because seeing him play, he can take on either the forward position or the wing position. He really has that. He's quick and he has that directness from Santi, but a little bit more intense than he had it. And he, you can tell that he has built his instant chemistry with the others. He, he's also had a chemistry with Andrew Tanari and David Najem playing with them in the New York Red Bulls too. So you can kind of see that on the field and the way they work with each other. I, I really love it. And it's going to get, it's going to get there. And uh, Moreno just scored a goal against OKC as well and assisted Chris Weehan's goal today in the Phoenix friendly. Yeah, it's good to see them gelling for sure. And uh, when I had talked to Amando after the inner squad friendly, he just said that he was hungry. He was ready to play. You know, he's looking for opportunity. He wants minutes, um, you know, and I had commented on the fact that, you know, he seemed, you know, kind of scrappy and he was very physical and, you know, they're the same team, but, you know, that didn't stop him from, you know, giving a hundred percent. He's like, you know, I hope that my teammates, you know, don't take it the wrong way and they understand that, hey, I'm just looking to play and I'm excited to get out here and, uh, you know, this is an opportunity for him. And, you know, and I, I truly respected that because, yeah. you know, when it's a friendly like that within your squad, you know, it, it can go one of a couple different ways. I mean, the players that are dominant could just kind of walk all over you or, you know, everyone is kind of playing about 75% not really showing you anything honest and, you know, in playing organized sports, you just certainly can't have uh, your teammate playing you 50 to 75% because the actual competition is not going to be like that. Oh, definitely not. And I really liked how Amandal just straight off the bat, he went on there, did what he needed to do and also showed the crowd, like, uh, this is why I'm here. And I believe that I'm going to fit right into this team and we're going to get somewhere this year. Yeah, I really believe that you're right on that one. So I got Romeo Parks. And so Romeo Parks is a striker from Jamaica. Um, he's on the, he's a senior nationalist uh, who's played on that team. Uh, he's got a he's got a canvas worth of experience. Uh, he played for an El, El Salvador team, um, Isidro Metapon. And, uh, you know, with that team, he had won both an Apertura and a Clausura uh, championship, um, which to me, you know, looking kind of into those teams, it is hard for teams to win both the opening and closing uh, season championships like that. Um, he has several seasons with Pittsburgh Riverhounds, which, of course, is an Eastern Conference team in the USL championship. Um, again, you know, being a striker, um, in a very defense-heavy side of the conference and being able to be successful and put goals in the net. 
um, is definitely going to help us, I think, as we wade through teams like Phoenix Rising and Orange County, um, as we play teams like our, our like Real Monarchs um, and El Paso. I think that's going to be a difference maker. Uh, after the Riverhounds, uh, Romeo did go out to Ireland and play for the Sligo Rovers. Um, Sligo Rovers are in the uh, Premier Premier League uh, of League of Ireland Premier Division or Premier uh, Premier League. Yeah, sorry about that. And so, like, uh, essentially, uh, what he was able to accomplish going out there was he was able to basically be their top scorer, and he was able to be the fourth top scorer in the League of Ireland. Um, and you know, definitely, uh, he had an impact on Sligo. I mean. This year, you know, you know, due to uh, work permit work permit issues and what whatnot, you know, New Mexico United gets uh, Romeo on loan uh, for the year, so New Mexico picks up the contract, of course. But you know, Sligo really it really did affect Sligo. I mean, you know, looking at their standings the other day, I mean, they're zero and three you know, where they might not have been 0-3. I mean, they just lost one of their best players, um, you know, a couple of weeks before their preseason. So, you know, that definitely hit them. You know, obviously he's doing some things with us. He got his one of his first goals um, in the – was it the El Paso friendly? Uh, yes, it was the El Paso friendly. Um, so, I mean, obviously we're looking forward to really seeing what sort of – addition he can add to New Mexico United. Um, when I was talking to him at a media hour, I asked him, I said, you know, how much of a threat could you be to the Western Conference having international experience and also, uh, you know, playing in the Eastern Conference as well? And, you know, he was just very tight-lipped and, and also contained. But, like, he was like, well, just wait till I get on the pitch and you'll see what kind of a threat I could be. And I just thought, dude, I cannot wait for this guy to get out there, put one in the net, and then go off to the side and do a backflip because it's kind oh, of – Yeah, I can't wait for that. Finally, a player that can do a backflip. <laughs> Finally, some celebration. I actually really do hope that you see more players doing more than just doing that skip and the fist pump. I mean, like it's cool and all, but everyone does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just one thing about Romeo, he is so much taller than I thought he was. Yeah, but, he is tall. Yeah, like I was like, whoa, who is that? And I'm like, oh my God, that's Romeo. He's super tall when I, at the interest of Quad Friendly, I was like, yeah, it's nice to have some height up there on top too. Yeah, and you know, he wears number 27. So if you guys are trying to get. Uh, a, one of these new kits and, and you're trying to put a number on that you think might be around, you know, that you won't have to cover up one of your old ones. Like, I mean, he wears 27, so you could definitely get that going on. I laugh because, you know, I got Madden on my 23. And, <laughs> and, and honestly, I'll tell you what, I might have to get another 23 this year for, uh, for Sergi. And I just might be rocking the 23 through, through the whole club. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah i think i learned my lesson not put a number in the back of my jersey <laughs> you know i have heard okay when i when i i listen to 
some of the episodes uh rising as one the another bgm podcast that covers phoenix rising and they were mm-hmm. saying like they were saying that they would not uh put a number on the back until they want a cup so they so it was a very interesting thought because it was like okay well I'm not going to put anyone on the back until we win a cup and whoever obviously is, you know, deemed like the player at that point, then go Mm -hmm. for it. But I'm like, you had Didier Drogba playing for you. Granted, he was part owner, but that was a really good player. So why not at least get Drogba on the back of your jersey? I mean, not even just winning a cup, like a a legend on that team. Yeah. It's so... Uh, like football, for instance, uh, for the 49ers, Joe Montana, let's say he never won a Super Bowl, but he was one of the greatest quarterbacks at that time. Right. Like you could not do any wrong to have a player with legacy on your squad mm-hmm. and on the back of your of your back of your kit. Like being a New Mexican, you're OK having Devin Sandoval on the back of your kit top like. He's from here. He's from here. Like that's, Mm -hmm. he's a staple player. I mean, you know, like you can't do any wrong with that. Or Chris Weehan. Right. Or, you know, Schmidt or even uh, Suggs for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't go, you can't go wrong with, with those. No, you can't. Now, you know, I didn't think, and just kind of circling back to Santi, but you know, I didn't think that we were, and I've said this before in an episode, I didn't think that we would experience a player we loved going to another squad so soon. I didn't think that there would be that heartbreak or that sort of descent. You know, I was kind of expecting it, but not from Santi. I honestly thought the club was going to offer him another year, considering how big of an impact he made on our team every time he stepped onto that pitch. But the fact that he did go to a team where we don't necessarily get along with them, I think that's what kind of really hurt everybody to the next level. Yeah, it's crazy. So then I guess rounding out the forwards, speaking of like, you know, talking about, you know, mainstays or or hometown heroes. So Devin Sandoval is the player you were going to talk about. Yes, Devin Sandoval, hometown kid here in Albuquerque he uh last year for New Mexico United he had a total of 32 appearances 13 goals and three assists now with Devin Sandoval I always felt that he was not a starter he was more of a super sub every time he had to come off that bench he would do really really well compared to when actually being on that starting 11 he had the fresh legs and with Devin up top, it's uh, he's very physical. So if you don't give him the ball, I just don't think he's going to do much. He's just going to be there and wait for it or just create some opportunities for um, the other dribblers like Chris Weehan or I don't or in this case, Amanda Moreno. Right. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, you know, Sandoval. You know, and like we've we've talked about this, but, you know, to come into the squad is one of the initial signings, you know, and, you know, and that, you know, now looking around the USL, that is kind of a big thing to obviously sign players that are from the area. It kind of obviously sparks the interest of the locals that, you know, it's not just a team of of transplants. Um, But, 
you know, given the fact that he has actually come up big in very many instances for the team um, where, you know, it's never really, it's never, like, I don't, when I watch matches, I don't think, okay, Devin Sandoval has to score the first goal all the time. But in most of the situations where it's a first or where it's an epic game, it's usually Devin involved. And I just think that the soccer gods just love Devin Sandoval because he comes up big in almost every single instance. Like, didn't he, like, I don't remember who scored the one goal in the play-in game, but I feel like he was around it for some reason. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, just Devin Sandoval, he's uh, another one of our key players, and I just feel like they're going to use him a lot more this season than they did last, maybe as a sub, but I don't know, because considering the other forwards that we have who are just as talented as Devin and they're going to have the fresh legs, I I just don't know. And, like, we talked to David Carl, you know, obviously – in the interview and you know we talked about that with him we talked about the fact that there are so many possibilities between our forwards you know mm-hmm. that that you know fresh legs like sergi you know or like uh romeo could come in at like the 70th 70th minute and be like a difference maker you know or you know of course uh you know devin rolling in i mean they could be they could be difference makers you know and so that's that's key. Like, you know, I am super pumped if we get 100% out of every player that we have different combinations. And someone like Romeo, he plays 90 minutes. Like, he's match fit 90 minutes. So you have someone who can be in there the whole time and still Troy may still pull him out at 75. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? So, yeah. You just never know with Troy. <laughs> Right. So then moving into our uh, to our, our recap section, right? Talking about these last few teams from 2019, but just kind of, you know, just dabbling in, you know, their history or, you know, things that were interesting about the teams. Um, you know, in this instance, you've got an expansion team that's new for 2020. Uh, you've got San Diego Loyal. Yes. So San Diego Loyal, um, they were announced last year during the season that their inaugural season would be 2020 this year with uh, Fresno being knocked out of the USL, no longer being a team. San Diego Loyal, you can say, kind of took their spot. And it's their manager is Landon Donovan, who is also co-owner. And they have a really strong players uh said earlier they took some of their best players from las vegas lights uh one of them being i believe it was christian barra he he was a oh, key player urban para, yeah urban part yes um he was uh, a very key player there to las vegas lights and i believe that was their top scorer there i can't remember yeah and right. yeah and also they have two national team players and uh, one being from, I can't pronounce the country, but first name is Ashley. I can't remember the last name. And the uh, second one, he's from Jamaica as well. And there's there's a lot of talent there, and I believe they will be a play playoff team this year. Right on. Yeah, I was looking at their, their roster a little bit. Um, you know, they signed 
a few players from Fresno. They they took uh, Cutis the Wall, mm-hmm. uh, Elijah Martin, and looks like Suleiman Samara um, from Fresno FC. And then they also signed um, Grant Stoneman and uh, Tumi Mashabane from Lansing Ignite. Um, so they've got definitely some players along with Para, uh, Joe Greenspan, um, Imra Clement, uh, Clementa, Salzizo. Like they signed some players definitely uh, that have some deep experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they even signed Yer Jan from Costa del Este uh, FC. Yeah, and um, like you said earlier, it's just too hard to tell now how their season is going to play out. They've only had one game. They've won. They won one nil. But how is that going to look out? Is it going to be like us, where they were at the top of the table for a while and teams started figuring us out and we were struggling at the end? Or are they going to be consistent throughout and they're going to be that team that no one really saw coming because they're the new team? What do you expect from the new team? Not much. Right. I mean, are they going to be New Mexico or are they going to be El Paso? It's kind of like the, yeah. way you look at, you, the way you look at it. Like El Paso didn't have a deep run in the Open Cup, so obviously they were preserved for league play. Mm-hmm. We did. And so, you know, but we didn't have quality reserves to be able to still have, you know, the other half of our season happening. So, uh, you know, so it's just a matter of how ambitious their roster is going to be, you know. Um, Okay, so then I have Sacramento Republic FC. Uh, So they were co-founded by Warren Smith, you know, currently is kind of part of the ownership group of San Diego Loyal. Uh, They started playing in a stadium that held 20,000 people, right, um, the interesting thing about that is that when they first started playing, uh, they were actually drawing 20,000. And then slowly but surely, every match, it kind of dropped down. When they moved over to uh, Papa Murphy's, which holds like 11,000, then pretty much all the games were sellouts. So, like, they were in a soccer specific stadium at some point, which is like, I think it officially holds um, some 8,000. Uh, but for the most part, like all their games are sellouts. It looks like they oversell a little bit. And then uh, they actually won the USL championship their first year. Um, so that's like pretty impressive. Now, you know, when they started, I believe it was a little different than the actual USL championship. It was like USL Pro. So it was like a different, you know, sort of rendition of what is considered championship now. You know, back in the day, USL A-League was kind of an equivalent as well. Um, so they obviously just uh, earned birth into the MLS. So 2022 is when they would start. Uh, Ron Burkle, who is an investor for the Pittsburgh Penguins Hockey Club, uh, is actually the lead investor for Sacramento and basically allowing them to be uh, to be able to meet their uh, MLS uh, uh, requirements. Now, Sacramento has been a team to reach playoffs pretty much every year in their existence. And their top scorer for the last three or four years was Cameron Awaza. Um, they've had deep open cup runs, uh, typically fourth, fifth round. And uh, as far as 
our play against Sacramento, we went one, two, and zero against them. Um, we lost three nil at home on our home pitch, and that was during the Open Cup run. I think that was like one of the first losses we really experienced. Um, <laughs> I remember that match specifically because I remember uh, what was it like Austin Yearwood going like over the over the backboards by the goal. It was just kind of crazy, but they were running around in their striped jersey tops, and I remember. You know, we had we kind of anticipated that we thought we were going to beat that team, but um, they actually came in and they just kind of put it to us. They, you know, got Schmidt and they basically kind of caught him off guard. I think they they caused him to draw a penalty in the box or something, and that mm-hmm. set up a that set up a, uh, either a set piece or a a um, or a penalty kick. I don't remember that, but. I just remember that they kind of got into his skin early in the match, and it was just him and 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 Cody, and it was basically just kind of a, a good setup. Um, we won two one in Sacramento. If you remember, that was the uh, the kick heard around the world. Brucey's uh, forty yard banger with like oh my god, yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> I, that that kick was amazing. I mean, I don't we didn't really see too many of those types of goals during our season, but that was just one of those like when I watched it happen, it was like he literally got it off of Weehan's like foot and mm-hmm. just kind of put it in. And yep. if you and if he had waited any longer, I don't think it would have been there. Yeah, and with that it's just crazy because i think he was barely subbed in too and he was like ready to go and all of a sudden it was a goal it was uh, daniel bruce and i was like what and it was from outside of the box it was a nice uh kick to the corner and i was like oh okay (laughs) i see daniel bruce i don't know how you misjudge that as a goalkeeper like that's that ball is so far out like how are you already jumping for that like and missing that do you know um well with that the power that he put through that it just wasn't spinning it was straight on so how fast it was going you can easily misjudge that and that that's just how it went and he jumped too early yeah so along with that so then we played sacramento in the playing round they were mm-hmm. seventh we were tenth and we lost two one and that was crazy. Um, I remember there was a player in my mind that stuck out to me. It was Kevin uh, Elman or Aliman. And <laughs> that player was the player that he would, he, he would kept coming into our back line and he did that double step over spin move on Justin Smith and just kind of threw him off. And he kept setting up the uh the kicks i remember he set up thomas envelson who ultimately i believe got the second goal against us and Mm -hmm. you know and then that was pretty much the match but yeah what a heartbreaker yeah it was and we actually were the first team in i guess usl history to be the fastest goal in a playing round i think it was like what 16 seconds i believe yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and it was Devin Sandoval. Ah, see the soccer yeah, gods. See, and I remember that game too. I was actually 
in LA, I was at the mall and I couldn't really do anything. So I sat down, I watched it on my phone with Raphael and people were just looking at us funny because we were wearing our United gear and like 16 seconds in, we were all cheering. We were like, oh, we need to calm down. We're not in a watch party. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, it's New Mexico versus everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so so the next up, you've got uh, LA Galaxy 2 or Los Dos. Yes, so Los Dos, they finished uh, ninth in the table. They were a, pl- a playoff team, 48 points. And they got 12 wins, 10 losses, and 12 draws. When we played them, it was a draw each time. Away, it was 1-1. And then here at home, it was 2-2. And with that home one, I think everybody remembers that one. And that was the first time we saw the pitch in a very horrible condition (laughs) to the point where players were getting hurt. Yeah, that's right. I do remember that. That in that match, didn't we also did we drop a man? Were we down? Were we down ten? Was it ten man versus eleven, or were they down a man? It, do you remember that? Like I remember it being oh, one of the two. Comedy. I think they they uh, got dropped a man because I remember Troy saying in the press conference that it was unacceptable for us to tie when they were down a man and we yeah. had an extra player on our back. That's right. That's right, because they got that was that German Bundesliga player Alvin Kamara, or mm-hmm. uh, and uh, or maybe I believe it was Alvin Kamara, and he was tall. He had speed on him. You know, obviously he was an experienced goal scorer, but you know, I remember him kind of being a threat to our backline because he was matched up with Ethan Sampson at the time, and so yeah. it was just like it was. You know, there were a lot of fifty-fifty balls, a lot of a lot of instances where speed just did did not match up correctly with pace. Yeah. And uh, who got that red card was uh, Salvana. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I just remember too, looking at the score, our second um, goal was by Kavon Frater and the interesting Panenka. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, that, that, that prompted the question. (laughs) <laughs> Someone asked him, like, what was, how do you, what's the secret to your selection of, of kicks? Yeah. And he said, Chick fil A sauce. <laughs> he said, I want to know the secret of Chick fil A sauce. <laughs> That's probably one of my, that might be one of my fondest Kavon Freighter moments. Maybe the other one is, Little Miss asking, what's it like to score a goal? And he mm-hmm. says, he's like, you like candy? And he and she goes, yeah. And he's he's like, how do you feel when you get candy? And she's like, oh, it's so great. I, I, I want more. And he's like, that's how I feel. I want more, <laughs> more goals. And I thought, man, like, you know, we just got to have Little Miss asking all the questions. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we'll get we'll get the most honest answer. <laughs> Okay, so then I've got Orange County SC. Um, so interesting enough, they started off as the Los Angeles Blues in 2010. Um, they then changed over to becoming the Orange County Blues. And I didn't realize this because you know I kept seeing on our players um, 
on their their experience, you know, OC Blues and LA Blues, and I was like, who are these teams, you know? But this basically was Orange County SC before. So Orange County Blue um, uh, became a thing 2014 through 2016. Um, they became an LAFC affiliate or a Los Angeles FC affiliate uh, 16 through 18. Um, in 2017, they were renamed Orange County SC Soccer Club, and then they won the the conference or Western Conference regular season uh, in 2018, only to lose to Phoenix 2-1 in the conference final. So that's where Phoenix then went on to play Lou City in that first year. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, that was in was it? That's Lou City's second title. So that's yeah. yeah so that, that was their back to back. Uh, championship mm-hmm. so they lost 2-1 um, last year uh, they finished 5th and they lost 6-2 in the quarterfinal to uh, Real Monarchs so that was seen as like maybe one of their worst losses uh, they currently got a partnership with Glasgow Rangers in Scotland so they basically have some players that are currently on their roster that are, that are on loan from them right now so I think that with a club like Orange County having a partnership uh, with an international football club, you know, that that right there is obviously a great threat against, you know, other teams that are in the conference because we don't have that sort of connection. Could you imagine if we had something dialed in with like Cardiff where they could just send us players? Man, that would be interesting to see. And, the talent there i just feel like with that talent you should kind of be the better team right and so i mean that makes me wonder you know you know we know that troy had different network networking skills we know that he was a liaison at some point between usl and mls you know having have played cardiff city and i would assume this year there's probably an international friendly on the horizon that we don't know about you know Hopefully. I right you can only hope i would hope that 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 eventually becomes like a partnership where we can you know where we can draft players out of like you know another league another country and we can also send players to them on loan i mean to me i think that when something like that happens that's got to be the u23s you know, something yeah. or a USL one team that may eventually come around. But I just think that we've got to have that. Um, continuing with Orange County. So they got they picked up Seth Kasipli from Reno. Um, he scored 12 goals for them last year. So definitely Kasipli was one of uh, one of the key pieces to Reno's offense. Uh, um, they also picked up Thomas Envilson from Sacramento. He contributed eight goals. And they have their goalkeeper, Aaron Cervantes, who's 17. So last year he was 16 playing goalkeeper for Orange County. So, you know, he did fairly well, obviously, for them to finish fifth. He's 17. So, you know, he's still pretty young, you know, and and, and is obviously still, you know, back there and creating, you know, fits for other teams. Um, Aiden Quinn is probably their uh, one of their main standout players, you know, since – He's been with them since 2018. He scored 19 goals through 64 appearances. Um, so, you know, Quinn is something is someone that we have to ultimately look out for uh, 
going into this 2020 season. So, I mean, now we've kind of been through all of the teams basically from 2019. You know, we've talked a little about them. We've talked about key players, some of the history of the clubs, um, you know. So, I mean, you know, this is really kind of setting us up for our first episode next week, which is going to be talking Austin Bold, like really getting into a preview um, you know, so our next episode will really dive in, which is going to be great. Are you looking forward to that? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. The season is just getting here so fast, like right before my eyes. I can't believe that next Saturday, well, this Saturday, they're revealing the away kit. And then next Saturday, they're going to be in Austin and playing. And it's just crazy to me that I think we're like two weeks away from our home opener here in El Paso. It's just coming by so quick. And I'm just so excited to see what Troy Troy's little mind has in store for us. So a couple of things before we like wrap this up. I just thought about them this week as they popped up. But um, San Antonio revealed their their latest kit the other night. You know, I wanted to get your reaction to it. It's that that red and black checkered kit. Um, it kind of made me think when I was a little girl and would play checkers with my mom. <laughs> you know that that's initially what I thought too, and then someone on the internet said it's it's like Phoenix Rising, and I thought, yeah, they did kind of do a black and red kit. Mm. Speaking of Phoenix Rising, did you see their alternate kits, the white ones? Uh, are these the ones that have the cities all over them? Yes. So are they are they um, Arizona Rising now? Because I feel like they're trying to copy us a little bit with that. It kind of felt like they're returning to their Arizona United days, you know, mm-hmm. where they're trying to claim a whole state um, to have more reach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's, you know, I get it that, you know, that, there isn't a whole a lot of originality out there, but to me, it's very obvious that New Mexico has this giant flag with all the cities on it. And you know, I remember asking the club in you know during the season, like, you know, hey, is it possible to have an alternate kit top with that as that flag with all the cities on it? And the answer I was told is it is possible. However, it's expensive. It's sublimation, and you know, it's just this other crazy process, you know, and it wasn't something they were really looking at doing while it was a good idea. So it's crazy to, to see Phoenix. And I'm not saying that they listened to my, my brain, but I'm saying it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy to see Phoenix come out with this idea. That is something I thought we would have taken advantage of. So, I mean, hats off to them, I guess for doing it, but it, it's not really super original. Yeah, no, it's not because my first thought was like, uh, you're you're Phoenix Rising, a city in Arizona. You're not Arizona Rising, where we can get away with naming the cities because we're New Mexico Rising. I'm New Mexico, New Mexico United, and we're not Santa Fe United. We're not Albuquerque United. We're New Mexico United, representing all the pueblos, all the cities, just everything here in New Mexico. Right on. And so then along the lines of that, you know, you know, if you remember during the season, um, you know, there was Meow Wolf Night 
and there was Snaggy, and he was, you know, apparently trying out in different positions at the club. He didn't work in marketing. He didn't work in the creative department. <laughs> he, didn't, he wasn't going to be a goalkeeper. And we thought, is Snaggy going to be our mascot? Um, I don't think so. And I'm kind of okay with the idea of not having a mascot with El Paso bringing I don't know what in the world their mascot is. It's like a bat. <laughs> it's like a, a bat mixed with a dog. I, I don't know, but I have no idea what it is. And people keep asking what it is. And they're just not responding to it. Because I don't even think they know what exactly it is. It just, I don't really like mascots for soccer. It's like... I mean, I thought at first it was Puff the Magic Dragon because the video <laughs> the video is like in the dark and you hear what sounds like wings flapping. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like, okay, like, what is this? And then all of a sudden this bat comes out and its name is Ozzy. And I thought, okay, Ozzy Osbourne and the bat and Crazy Train and, and all the same things that the El Paso fans thought. Eighth Notch is like, hey, if the kids like it, and seriously, Loco is like trying to be super down with it, but I swear I know that if we had a mascot first, that seriously, Loco would be like, "Dude, you guys got a mascot? No way!" And so <laughs> the fact that it's them first, it it like makes my heart so happy because I do remember during the season how. You know, the big the big thing was New Mexico's got plastic flags and the team, you know, and the club tells the the people when to wave the flags and they were saying all these things and then their club turns out and has plastic flags and tells the fans when to wave their flags. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> our club's like chartering buses and flights, and then all of a sudden their club is chartering buses and flights. And it's like, look, like this is just the way successful clubs roll. And mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure ownerships talk. So, you know, whether or not the front office is coordinating stuff with the support groups or not, like when it comes down to it, it's about like your fans. It's about bringing the experience to the people. And, you know, if the ownership group of New Mexico United is basically taking pages out of the book of other successful clubs, so be it. You know, hopefully you guys come on board with it. Um, they got a mascot first. I'm completely fine if we don't have a mascot. I'm yeah, me too. I'm okay with that. I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah, I don't want to like kind of embarrass ourselves with a mascot that kind of nobody really likes. Yeah, that's exactly it. So I was like, all right, it's a bat, you know. And I made the joke on Twitter. I said, oh, it's a bat shit Velasquez because it's like they <laughs> lost they lost the actual guy, so they could have named him that. But yeah. They didn't resign them, but um, nonetheless, like, you know, all in all, hey, we did four episodes preseason. You know, that's a, a first for us. You know, I'm looking forward to getting into the next episode. Uh, uh, anything you want to say before we uh, we call this one good? Um, well, I hope that the away kit it fulfills everybody's um, expectations. And I hope there's some teal in there. And I can't wait for the season to start next week. All right. So uh, for Alicia and myself and, of course, Adri, who was with us at the earlier part of the episode, and this is the part where we're finishing, uh, you know, we are Seek and Strike. 
you know, thank you, BGN, of course, for uh, putting our episodes out online. Thank you, Salt Yard, for hosting us Tuesday nights. And uh, thank you, David Carl, for coming on as part of the curse and representing for New Mexico. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to We Are Seek and Strike podcast, brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL-related podcasts at bgn.fm. To never miss an episode, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Seek and Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.